it's recorded. All the magic so. of the magic do you, do you edit this? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, Just, I mean it makes sense. Yeah, I mean you, it's lucky in a way. Yeah, of course, you know. In case I <laughs> excuse me. I, I pull one of my Brendan. Who, who is that guy? Uh, oh know, no, that all stays. You'll there. edit that out, and then you'll put in when I when he tells me the answer, and then I say it. <laughs> that oh, no, guy that, sure is sharp. That all, that all, that all stays in. We used to say we'll fix that. We'll fix. We're gonna we'll take fix that, that out later, right? John? <laughs> yeah, but that all stays in. That's the beauty of this podcast because it's a, it's it's us on the beer drinking side of the bar. Not that's right. We're on this side of the bar. <laughs> that's the idea. You you look like you're made to. Uh, it's just it's great. <laughs> you've got, you've got so the, the part. <laughs> you're like the face for podcast. Okay, it's just so the we have, of we have glasses. We have coasters. We have everything we need. We do. We do. We even have an outline. Amazing. And we have the right people. How beer. do you tell the difference between the cherry and the doppelbach? I had a look. That's doppelbach. I had a look. Yeah, in hold it up. One of them the has right. a little bit less uh, stuff. Darkness well, the too. cherry has less. I mean, it's actually, you know, it's just that the volume cherry, is right. what is what makes it so dark because the cherry is not. When you hold it up to the light, it the truly cherry, is yeah. a red, a red color as opposed to a black yeah. color. That's it. Isn't it? Isn't okay, that so cherry? when you're talking, is? this has got to be closer to your. Okay. It's like you're making love to yeah. How close is that to be? Oh, you're, to be you're, this close? you're perfect. Okay. Yeah, you're good. I'm almost as close as like Motors. Yeah. So. Well, Motors got, a, Motors got a different, more unique voice. <clears throat> it overpowers these microphones. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has to sit back. Please sit in the other room. <laughs> well, uh, it was a trick. So anyway, it starts off with a virtual bell that you don't actually hear. Okay. All right. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some beers are made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. The best part about beer school is... The homework. The homework is beer. (laughs) (laughs) Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and all the... I don't know, the brewers. No. (laughs) Actually, all the sustainable organicness that you can... (laughs) That will go to make better beer. Um, so with this tonight, tonight, yeah, it is tonight. Uh, it is tonight already. This well, evening. We'll this be very evening. Formal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we, we've got not one, but two brewers in the house. Yeah. We have our friends. I'm a little rusty. We have our friends. <laughs> no, but once it, it's like riding a bike, right? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> People come to me for advice else still. ride the bike for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that kind of riding the bike. <laughs> It's kind of like going to the circus. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> very similar. <laughs> Without the elephants. It's like, yeah, it's, like, it's like going to Cirque du Soleil. And the lions. There's definitely it's a couple like, of clowns involved. But yeah. <laughs> Speaking of clowns. <laughs> um, so, our friends from Thirsty Bear are here. So, it's Ron and Brendan, and they, Ron's the owner, right? Yes, I am. So to speak. So to speak. Didn't you used to have partners? I still do. Okay. I mean, I mean, I'm the, I am the 132nd in line for the British throne, right? <laughs> no, no. Well, she was one of my partners. I, 134th. No, I don't remember. She was. No, so her uncle was the king of Norway. That was a little closer. Okay. Um, <laughs> king of Norway owns a part of a brewery. Not anymore. Not That's anymore. kind of a cool story. It was. It was. It, it, she was. Uh, she was very interesting. I mean, it was thank goodness to her that, that we were able to, in one sense, get the funding and all to, to, to start the brewery. She was intrigued by the idea enough 
to uh, you know convince bamboozle her parents and uh, get them to uh, put some money up for a brewery as opposed to send her to business school, which I don't think she would have enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> except, except there was so much herring on the menu at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Pocorones. <laughs> Use the money for business school to start a brewery. Uh, they both start with B, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Beer, business, yeah. brewing. I want to go to B school. Yeah. <laughs> so Thirsty Bear, we've talked about Thirsty Bear before on the show to point out to people coming to San Francisco that if you're in town for a conference, you have to go there because it's closer. That you know, The only place closer is Chevy's, and who would want to go there? <laughs> it's either that or the Chieftain, and the Chieftain's actually further away than Thirsty Bear. Yeah. It is. Oh, there's Jolly Bee. There's no beer, Jolly Jollibee. <laughs> well, the neighborhood is changing a little bit. There's a tremendous amount of uh, construction. There are a lot of new uh, residential units, but also a lot of new bars popping up. So, well, the thing is, the John Collins, the O'Brien, a couple of others like that. So, KDOB ones. What's that? KDOB ones. Cody. <laughs> KDOB ones. No, no, no. We renamed it because we had a party. Uh, I actually instigated a party. Because we didn't have tickets to the opening of Star Wars Episode One, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. every, everybody who doesn't have tickets, come and have, you know, come and come to the party. And we ended up drawing on all these napkins, all these Star Wars things, drawing because it was art school. Because I was teaching at the Academy of Art at the time, and uh, so there were probably I don't know 150 of these, everything from Tie Fighters to Wookies to R2D2 to anything that was in the in in the uh, the movie. And it turns out that the waitress kept the drawings. <laughs> and there's nice. a there's supposedly a book at Katie Obi once, Kate O'Brien's is actually the name of the, the bar. But um we uh, na- renamed it the that night for the for the, the party. All all our original uh meetings for anything that had to do with the brewery before we opened Thirsty Bear, took place at Kate O'Brien's. It was well, my headquarters before I had a headquarters. <laughs> it's a good place. That's to over. Yeah, I mean, that's over twelve years ago. So the only other story I have about Thirsty Bear is that because I was teaching at the academy, uh, the very first year that I was there as a teacher, uh, there was a there was a student in my class who kept turning in his homework, and it was all this beer related stuff. And I'm like, you didn't do this. This was done by an agency because it was beautiful. I mean, all this, you know, the the beer logo, the Thirsty Bear logo, the how to how the brewery runs, uh, all this stuff. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm one of the investors at Thirsty Bear. It was Pablo. Oh, that is too ah. funny. That is too funny. <laughs> wow. And so he was turning in his homework as you know the. In my class, as the stuff that he was developing for, <laughs> you can't see this, but my mouth is like dropping right now. Are you kidding me? So, wow. so, then, so during the sounds like Pablo during <laughs> so during the um, during the semester, he's like, "You gotta come and see this." And so we walked through the the place when there was basically just you know rock and unfinished floors in the basement and the whole thing. There, there was, was no there was no the there basement. was no stainless in this thing. No, none, none. none. And then one, you know, one day it was like, "Wow, when did that show up?" This is beautiful. And little by little, it came together. And I, I was privileged to see this go together. This is before I knew you, Ron, and uh, it was just, it was pretty cool. So anyway, because he turned in his homework as, you know, done by an agency, I'm like, you can only have a B, <laughs> this is, this a B for beer, and <laughs> it was. It's a great story. Why would he be at a Academy of Art? Shouldn't he have yeah, been he was uh, that, that, or that, or? that is actually where he met 
uh, Raggy, who was really? one of okay. our original investors, who sort of was, you know, because of her funding, was able to make it happen. Okay. You know, it was my magic uh, investor there. My... Sweet. <laughs> it was sweet. It was sweet. And the rest is history. And here we are. Well, so you, guys, you guys have you guys have passed ten years now. Yeah, they're like twelve years. Like yeah, this September it'll be twelve years. Twelve years. Yeah, twelve I'm years. old. You know, we, yeah, we did we, we did a few firsts and uh, and keep trying a, a, a few. So, it's hard. So your new first is actually why we're having this conversation, and yes. that is that you've changed to organic yes. beer, certified organic in the brewery at least. Um. That happened, I think we just got certified approximately five months ago, I think it was. I think in October. Was it October? It takes us an elongated process. You have to sit there and uh, basically describe the process to, we got certified through the CCOF, which is uh, the same people who did, for example, uh, Butte Creek, mm-hmm. which is why I was like, I called up breweries and said, how did you get through this process? And I called up them up and said, this is the organization we recommend. Well, they're, they're uh, through USDA. They're California yeah. Certified yeah. Organic Farmers. Yeah. And so but they'll also certify um, uh, plants or, or production facilities. Exactly. Because it's really the brewery that's certified right. organic as opposed to. So there's three kinds of organic. Uh, there's yes. 100% organic. There is not <laughs> organic, which is at least ninety-five percent of the agriculture ingredients. Which are some of our beers, some of our beers, but uh, we're not certified that way. Okay, and then there's made with organic, which is ninety-five to seventy percent organic agriculture ingredients. And that, that's, that's the one we, we chose because um, we don't bottle and keg our beer. Okay, so the idea was to give it a the entire brewery a blanket certification. Mm-hmm. And basically, most of our beers are approximately 85. Some of them are like 95% organic, but some of them are not. So we just basically said, let's have the entire brewery certified as made with organic ingredients. So that's And that's because some kinds of malt that you're getting aren't? Yes. Malts, and hops. hops. And hops. Malts and hops, primarily the hops. It's really the specialty malts that are really yeah. difficult to find in organic. You would really limit, I think, the the, the, the styles of beers that you could do. If you were to, um, you know, be organic or 100% organic. So which, what malts are not on the, on, like, is, There's it, a lot. is it crystal malt or is uh, it? Well, it's a limited basis of crystal malt. I would say things along, if you want to create a Belgian beer, there's like the aromatic malts. There's um, Black malts? Uh, black malts, you can get Vireman, I think, gives a, makes a organic carafa, perhaps. But there's, I think, more important things like roasted barley, chocolate malt, um, and some other specialty malts that we use that basically weren't inside their parameters. So that's why we, and the, uh, that was the idea. Was like one, appreciate the uh, value of being certified organic and go organic, but at the same time, give us a little bit of flexibility in, in shaping the beers, so to speak. And um, so. Well, we brew nine different beers, so we, yeah. styles import. <laughs> exactly. So we have anything from ales to lagers to Belgians on tap. So we like to keep it diverse and. Um, also, keep the organic thing going. So cool. So and maintain the flavor and quality that you. Guys yes, uh, so you know, well. as a brewer, as I mean, I <laughs> I'm all for organics, but yet I need I love to drink my beer. So I like to uh, like a chef likes to play with spices. It's nice to have those extra elements that you can throw into the uh, batch to give it that extra something. You know, so. wouldn't really work if we could only do pale malts. 
<laughs> it's it's getting better, but it's still not there in terms of like what the malting houses are providing on the organic level. So hopefully in uh, five, ten years from now, they'll have a broader spectrum. But until that point, we'll stay where we are, you know. And you'll come from where you are and grow into more and more of your beers made with more and more organic ingredients because the market will catch up for all the ingredients you need to put together what you're putting together. Yeah, we hope there's a ripple effect. Uh, it would be nice to see more and more people get involved. I think uh, by Ron instigating the organic certification process here in our brewery, that uh, it generates interest. It you know, if there's yeah. more farmers who can uh, see the demand coming from the brewers, they'll generate or or uh, put aside more acreage in their land to create organic product, and uh, you know that's a ripple effect that hopefully will continue in in san francisco where we are the first we are the only right now but i would hope and i can't imagine that that'll be for very long you know i would i would hope and think that other people (laughs) are going to be you know (laughs) you know following it's an interesting this is from the usda the market this is uh the market drivers for organic products okay and the top response was prefer to have fewer chemicals in food with 63 percent of the people saying um, that better for me and my family, 51%, better for the environment, 37%, prefer the taste of organic is 30% of the responses. Um, looked better than the non-organic. And the thing is, is that we're, we're, making, we're doing this comparison with to a, an apple. <laughs> not true, to beer. True, true. My beer um, has spots. <laughs> um, if I could beer. answer the last, the three, yeah. the last two ones, I think was basically about taste and appearances. Yeah, yeah. I think that may have more involved, like with uh, you know apples, like you said, produce. Ba- because we're looking at basically organically grown barley and wheat as mm-hmm. the primary components here, and all we're talking about is allowing barley to be grown without pesticides, non genetically modified. And the third and most horrific thing is not to be used, uh, not to allow human sewage to be used as fertilizer. Right. And, and, those are, and those which are is chemical fertilizer. Which is a problem. And chemical fertilizer oh, also. That takes my garden out yeah. of <laughs> No, no, no. And, and, and so. the reason why this is a big deal is that a lot of China, where they're, where they're growing things, is does use human waste as yeah. fertilizer it's you know it's mixed in with the cow Raw sewage, yeah. you know and the, and the other thing because they're like well we, what else are we going to do with it that was the most horrific th- no, uh discovery i made when we were going through the organic processes was that was one of the three main components of the raw materials and the third one was oh and non-irradiation for i think i forget the exact terms that was but that was, it couldn't be irradiated as far as like um killing all the bacteria bacteria fungus. whatever they may be on it but I would get back to that point is yes, the human sewage thing was a primary element of me. <laughs> but <laughs> well, and, but that all being said, and, real quick, if I just say like the, yeah. the material is the same. Like I was expecting a flavor difference or a color difference, and um, there wasn't a flavor difference. There was it was the same quality that I expected mm-hmm. from. I use Angambrinus Environment, for example, and they produce uh, some outstanding organic material. And I brewed with it. Tasted the same, tasted great, everything's cool. And, for, and for, there's no pesticides. For me, it really isn't principally a flavor issue. Yeah. And in, in, in with with respect to beer, and I think actually at the panel, uh, the Commonwealth Club, actually, yeah. Dan Gordon spoke to that. And that he's like, oh, but, you know, the, the flavor is really the same. I mean, you bo- in the wort, when you're boiling the wort, you volatilize, you know, the organic compounds, things that 
that that could be considered nasty and and that's all very good and well but what that doesn't consider is it doesn't consider the impact on the earth right. and for me that's a huge thing it doesn't consider the impact on the people who handle the malt you know with the chemo- with the you know chemical pesticides fertilizers etc so it's really more for me an environmental impact in other words no matter how you cut it i'm bringing in malt from canada or wherever it's not it's not grown 10 miles from here but the impact on the land that 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 happens because of that is is significant and you know for me we have to be better stewards of the earth in this day and age because our 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 ancestors forgot about all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> well the idea of having um the mass amount of nitrates that go in the, the into the ground which then get into the the water table which then go into lakes and streams into your beer and, 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 your and beer. then ultimately yeah. into your beer but the but you know you look at these lakes that have algae blooms and that's the gulf of, of mexico yeah, too. The gulf yeah. of mexico Whew. and and the thing that happens is and we and they they learned this about san francisco bay is that when you put something into the bay depending on where you put it it doesn't go away you know it's like if you go to the south bay that water moves six inches a year and it's usually up and down because because there's just not the not the drainage, not the runoff that happens, and they learned that because of the the bay model. You know, they're putting dyes in there, and they're you know making the doing you know ten thousand tide moves in I don't know four or five days, and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, that dye didn't move. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I was not aware of that. But just yeah. to, have you guys ever been to the bay model? Oh, you gotta go. No, you no, I'd love to go. This sounds extraordinary. It's, it's north of downtown in sort of that industrial area. And in the 50s, there was a plan after World War II to turn the bay into a saltwater spot right in the middle and then basically build a levee from here to roughly south of downtown San Francisco to Oakland and one from Richmond to Marin County. To capture all the fresh water. They they thought about it and they said, this might – I don't know how this is going to work. So they actually built a model of the bay that still exists. They don't use it for study anymore. But this is back in the day before computers. So they built this gigantic model of the bay, and they can pump water through it and measure it. And you can go over there and, like, walk around through it, and it's it's the entire bay. And the history of all these studies they did. And what they found was if you turn the South Bay and uh, San Pablo Bay into fresh water, they would just be a putrid chemical-laden swamp because of everything even – now we don't discharge as much sewage and stuff, but all the runoff that comes down from the hills, like in the South Bay, there's a problem with the mercury that comes down from the old quicksilver mines. That wouldn't get washed out by the tides anymore. And so you would just have this horrible muck at either end. So the Bay model served its purpose. Well, good. That's yeah. a good yeah. So anybody comes in town, go to Sausalito, go to the Bay model. It's, it's, I'm and, going. and the thing is, is it's cool. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, wow, they would never build this today. But somebody said, you know, can we have $100,000 to do this? Yeah. And, they, and they built it in... The in in what was the factory for the Liberty ships? Yeah. So how big is it? It's monstrous. It's huge. It's, like an acre or it's half, no, you, you I'm can't, never good at acres, but yeah. Or how big? How many? Okay, so imagine a mall. Okay. Oh come on! It's that big. <laughs> wow. I mean, they it's it's basically. I think it's it's ten percent scale. <laughs> no, it's like wow. one, it couldn't even no, be one, one tenth. tenth. No, it's one tenth. And one tenth. Not, not one tenth. Right. Well, whatever it is, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yes, it, it must is, be one hundred. Impressive, and it should be filled with beer. 
Like our glasses. We have beer. <laughs> we have beer. <laughs> I, I was hoping that was a segue. I, I learned that. I, I see, you I are see three growlers here and yes. four empty glasses. Yes. We so, need to work uh, on that. Uh, well, pour, this, pour some beer. Okay. Uh, we have – well, we have – I brought three – Different styles. Um, the one in front of me right here is basically what we call the aged cherry ale. And then we have our polar bear pilsner, which is a bohemian style pilsner. And then, because it's the seasonal aspect of it, we brought our hibernator, which is a doppelbock. <laughs> so, a name I stole from the old Golden Pacific, but uh, such is life. Well, let's start with the, let's start with the uh, pilsner. You want to start with the pilsner? I think so. Absolutely. We'll work our way up. My, my go to when I go into the Thirsty Bear. Very good. So this is another thing from the USDA while he's pouring beer. Uh, It's organic fact and fiction. And it said organic is a product claim. And the is is underlined. And their subtitle is organic is about how food is produced and handled. So it's not about a production claim. It's it's a – you know, it's a – it's the the way it is. Organic is not a content claim. So – it does not represent that there's a product that a product is free of something. So you know it might have, it still might have sulfates in it, for example. It still might have, uh, it still might have high nitrates or something like that. The other one is uh, organic is not a good safety claim, which is organic is not a judgment about the quality or safety of a product. And this was something that you had sure. just talked about. Yeah. You know it's. It's the same ingredient. It tastes the same. It does. Yeah. And then organic does not mean a product is superior, safer, or more healthful than conventionally produced food. That That is something actually that they're starting. I mean, originally they want to say, oh, the, you know, we don't want you to say this is a more healthful product. But the this, this studies that I'm reading, whether Michael Pollan and some of the, the literature he's writing, whether it's through – Omnivore's Dilemma or other books that he's writing, is that actually because organic uh, produce, in this case grain, can't depend on chemical fertilizers or everything to defend itself, it has to be stronger. And so it does have more components in it that tend to make it healthier. Uh, and they, they've, they've done these studies in, in you know, I'm not going to be able to quote anything exactly or be quotable on this uh, podcast or radio show, but, but, <laughs> but, but they are discovering that there are indeed scientific basis for claiming that it can be or is indeed healthier um, because it's a healthier, uh, a healthier plant, right. a healthier organism because of, of how it has to survive. Well, just the fact that it doesn't have chemicals sprayed on it. That's a huge difference. Well, the chemicals make the plant lazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's a great, the, that's a I'm great going, description. I'm going through the book right now. It, basically, the chemicals make the plant lazy. Okay. So the, it doesn't have to build up the, the, the reserves, whatever that is. And defenses. Um, at, to, to fight off whatever might be attacking it. And so you don't get the same amount of Vigor. vitality <laughs> exactly. uh, from, from something that's the, the organic stuff has to be a little bit tougher, and there's a whole lot more on. complex. Yeah. It has to be more complete, really, yes. to survive, and and everything. Yeah, it doesn't that, depend like, on on five, you know, nutritional items. But so. if I mentioned earlier, as far as the raw materials I'm getting into the brewery, it looks the same, it tastes the same, smells the same. I mean, like, so I'm, I'm sure, perhaps at a molecular level, it's uh, it's more resistant at mm-hmm. this point, but. 
Is it any healthier? I think so. I mean, you don't have any trace chemicals on it. Have you noticed any differences in stability or life, in other words? You know how we beer, go through beer, beer does. pretty quickly, so that's the good thing yeah, about it. We, are brew, <laughs> we, we, we don't are get to test it. We, we don't bottle. We don't keg. Well, we do a little bit of kegging, but we don't distribute, I should say, is a better word for it. And um, most of our beer is consumed within 30 days, so... Stability issues is not a, our biggest concern, shall we say? But uh, but, you're, but you 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 could still taste the difference over the thirty days of how that beer changes. Yes, you could if you drank it as much as I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> and your opinion, uh, <laughs> opinion Mister Scientist? Well, it, well, I think uh, everything. Cha- I think it's always a positive change. But uh, I don't have any of my none of my beers, as far as I can tell, have gone. Uh, I don't know, sour, skunked, or, or anything like right. that. So. I haven't seen any negative influences of yet. So, what changes did you have to make in the brewery to be organic? Very little, actually, because of the fact that I did the the blanket seventy five percent and up. They weren't concerned, and since you blanket, basically, if you use if you had a non organic beer and an organic beer, that's when you change the actual processes mm-hmm. because you need to basically make sure that. If you want to do 100% organic beer, that you clean the entire engine, the process. The the process has to be completely stopped. has to be documented from the mill on. From the yeah. mill on, and yeah, you have to kind of like clean the entire system. And we're like, we're a brew pub, so I don't think we can pull that off at the moment. Um, so we <laughs> did the 75% and up, and that allows you since they're not so concerned about it, you can actually mix in, let's say 10% of our uh, of our mash, for example. It may not be certified organic product um so that really all it was is basically it's like i said switching over to organically grown product purchasing it and just utilizing it and it's it's almost like an economic thing more than anything else but we did have to document for example in our um in our wheat beer which is loosely based on the belgian style wit beer we had a you know, let them know where did the coriander come from? Where did the um, orange yeah. peel come from? It's more Likewise, we had right. to nix. We we no longer can use the. We used to use finings to to help um, rapidly clarify our beer, and we we can't use that anymore because that's not in the organic process. So it, time has to clarify our beer since we don't filter it as opposed uh, opposed to that. So there's minor changes, but. Yeah, on my side, yeah, exactly. I, that's one aspect of the process, but primarily, basically, we have to make sure that um, all the invoicing and the packaging slips are taken care of. So basically, if somebody screws up, they can track it. There's a lot of paperwork involved in that aspect. Um, so I, honestly, it can be surprisingly simple to, to become certified organic once you make it past that initial paperwork phase um so i would highly recommend everyone do it you know you know it's like once you get past that that initial birthing stage product focused so as long as you obtain the correct product you know because we're producers if we were a farmer that's another story that it is a different different scenario a couple of late nights staying up getting all the all the Everything in order, your new file system going. Oh, I wouldn't say I sit all night over it, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it did. It took about a good six months to get the paperwork in because they're they're very fastidious. inspections, the inspections, and all that. But um, primarily based on what we have, it was pretty easy. It was just a matter of like making sure the paperwork was correct and dotted your eyes and all that good stuff. So, <clears throat> organic certification is basically these five things: avoidance of synthetic chemical inputs fertilizer pesticides 
antibiotics, yep. food additives, and genetically modified organisms. Which is big. That's correct. Well, the thing is, like, I, it's very difficult to get a genetically modified organism outside of corn. Right. So the, here's the thing, you know, and they were very specific about this. And I'm like, because we use coriander and orange peel, for example, in our wheat. Mm-hmm. It comes from India, the coriander. Right. And <laughs> I guarantee you that there's no farmer out there who has the, uh, the no wherewithal to basically create a genetically modified coriander seed. <laughs> <laughs> not mail order from tra- Monsanto. I think it's trying to track down somewhere, you know, in India, a coriander farmer and have them produce the paperwork. That... <laughs> That, my friends, is the true challenge of becoming <laughs> organic, you know, because uh, that was not easy. But eventually you just find – I gave up and I, I purchased I purchased now organically grown coriander and organically grown orange peel. And Rainbow Grocery. Rainbow Groceries. <laughs> I go through uh, – They Rainbow, make it easy uh, for They us. make it easy for them. Like, it costs a little bit more and I have to go down there and pick it up. But it's – instead of like doing the paperwork and trying to track down a farmer in India, I just go to Rainbow Grocery right. and everything's cool. And actually, it actually turned out to be a better product. Hmm. From when I was what do you know? Earlier, so. How about the uh, the? We haven't talked about your your flagship, uh, the one that everybody, your your, may I say your watermelon wheat, the uh, the the, van- the golden vanilla. Golden Shall vanilla. We talk? I didn't bring any golden vanilla. <laughs> you know what's curious but, uh, is I, I, I have put I have, organic vanilla beans I, in there now. I, oh wow. So, I have two we, questions. We had about. used organic vanilla beans in the past, but then there were crises. There were crop crises. Just <laughs> yeah, the you know, I mean, uh, I think in uh, was it Madagascar? Yeah. Or I forget yeah. where, Wiped but they're the almost like what happened to hops. But so, like, the price, you know, went from forty five dollars a pound to ninety dollars a pound overnight, literally uh-huh. in the past. I don't know because I'm not brewing anymore. But I don't know what the latest is as far as the organic <laughs> vanilla beans. But there's one hundred twenty a pound. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you should be making wow. cocaine beers. They really should. It's <laughs> cocaine organic? I don't know. Because, no, <laughs> literally, that, those beans are sort that out. Those beans are split down the middle, put into hop bags, put into the bright beer tanks. I mean, it's, it's like dry hopping with vanilla beans. That's exactly how it is, yeah. It's, it's dry hopping with vanilla. <laughs> it is an odd beer. It's a very unique beer. I think that, Ron, I think you're the pastry chef in the old days came it up with well, it. Well, that – it was actually the people – it's 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 one of those bizarre stories of, <laughs> of you know, it was at the time where everyone had a, a fruit beer or something. Apricot Ale was really popular. Then Blueberry Ale over at Marin Brewing Company. You know, Apricot was from Pyramid or whatever. And we had to have our fruit beer. You know, this was over 10 years ago. And um, we tried a bizarre strawberry ale. It sucked. It was just horrible. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> it was. And literally, the guy selling the spice, and at the time it was from SF Herb Company, are like, you know, sure. I mean, you know, what, what do they sell that's more expensive than whole vanilla beans? So they're like, why don't you make a vanilla beer? And we're like, ha, ha, ha. But actually, we took a couple beans, just put it in a five-gallon keg to see what it would taste like of a base beer, of a very light, of our lightest ale, really, you know, as far as bitterness, as far as uh, original gravity, all that's the lightest, it's the beer. And, and it was like, wow, you know, it's kind of like an alcoholic cream soda without the sweetness. Yeah. If you, and if you mix it with the stout. We've <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, been working go. on that ratio for quite some time. I think we haven't <laughs> hit it yet. But the thing about the vanilla, it's very much a lover hate thing. I mean, most people yeah. love uh, it. And it is very popular. But some people like, get it, drink it. They're like, well, this is not what I expected. It's very, it's a very unique flavor. Obviously, it's 
it smells and well, it's more like it smells like vanilla, and, that's, and most of your it, it's in the nose. nose, anyways. But mm-hmm. uh, and then there's an impression your brain yeah. has if you smell vanilla, yeah. you you almost assume a sweetness that absolutely isn't that there. is not there. So you know, but but it's it's interesting that way. But now, personally, to, to be frank, you know, I, I don't drink it, but I appreciate it. It's <laughs> number. It's, honestly, it's number four in the sales list. And you right. have well, your pilsner, a, your wheat, and your IPA, for example, are always your top three. And then people just go for vanilla. When know? we go to public venues, too, I, I think that's oh, yeah. what the most people come up and go, oh, yeah. do you have your vanilla? Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. I'm going yeah. yeah. to be sexist about it, but the chicks dig it. <laughs> so I always bring a keg, you know. Does anybody, does anybody else make it? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge as far no. as I know, because I know that there are other watermelon beers. There, I know that the, I don't know anybody else who does a vanilla beer. I've heard it once. I think Anderson Valley did it in their Christmas ale. I've seen it used as an ingredient, but not as the ingredient. And also on yeah, the East yeah, Coast, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. in Virginia, Maryland, there were some old breweries. I don't even remember So do you the always there. run that through the same line? No, you don't have to. It's not like well, – that's because of – well, maybe. Actually, we do, as a matter of fact. The tanks remain the same. But, you know, but. but that was from when, when people would put extract, these extracts right. into beers. It would taint the lines. Yeah. And you couldn't – it would be in the line, that extract, and you couldn't yeah, – you know, would it would it. smell every other beer you put through that. But this is – I think in part because of the – it's totally natural. It's I don't think the, that's a, uh, yeah. All it is is the oils from the vanilla beans infuse the beer, and it takes about a week. The only drag about it is the and oils do kill the head on that beer. True, the, the that, oils you of the vanilla a little bit more on that little buggy, yeah, but it, it uh, kills it the head right. on that. But you know, I guess it's a big seller. People love it, and some people just don't really dig it. But yeah. something. Well, it's the same way with any. It's like licorice, you know? like any. <laughs> well, it's like any fruit. You know, any any flavored beer. Sure. Uh, I know people when the friends of mine when they come to town we have to go to Thirsty Bear and get vanilla beer. I know I was I was out of vanilla beer and I was was sitting there like transferring the vanilla beer and there was these four or five people sitting there and he goes, dude, I came all the way from like you know Wisconsin (laughs) and I brought my friends with me and you're like sitting here I'm like can you give me an hour and they sat there for like an hour waiting until I finished transferring it. (laughs) I brought them all obviously around you know I'm like here you go sorry about the wait but like they were adamant about it. (laughs) So it's like I said it's like some people get very you know feel very intensely about it. So it is what it is. So next thing on the certification is um, use of farmland that has been free from chemicals for a number of years. And yeah. in the United States, it's three years. That's right. Not easy. No, it's not. And I, I almost – this is purely just because Ron is more of the organic champion than I am. Um, it seems to me – this is my personal opinion that I think the the organic certifying process would be – more user friendly, shall I say? And I think, and if they allowed more, I understand what they're trying to say, but they're very hardcore about it. These are environmentally sound people. But it, I, I was going through the process. I'm like, you know what? If they just made it a little bit easier, everybody could get on board, reduce the cost of getting on board, mm-hmm. and therefore it would expand and ripple across, you know, more of the agricultural landscape, and generate more organic enthusiasm. But it's so difficult to do it. Like you, have to, you cannot use pesticide for three years. And you have to, like, hopefully you don't get a pesticide problem during that process. It's a risk. And most farmers, you know, they live, you know, dollar to dollar. I mean, farming isn't exactly, you know, the most lucrative thing in the world. Right. So it's very difficult to take that risk on the behalf. So that would be my one criticism of uh, the organic process would be a little more user-friendly for the people. And I think that would expand 
organic. Uh, but that that production. does go into our farm policy, and that's not sure. the purpose of this discussion. But, <laughs> you know, Motor could speak to this <laughs> as he's <laughs> as he's reading the Omnivore's Dilemma <laughs> yeah. and read. But you know, yeah. our farm policy farm does not cool. promote. Our new, our new yeah, it could be. It could be. But it doesn't promote this type of agriculture, which is – it's a sin, you know. But it's – you know, we, we promote the maximum amount of production per acre. And the best way to do that is through industrial fertilizers made from petroleum products. And so – Or is it? What's that? No, <laughs> it's it? not the best way. It's not the best way. But it's the way that that's been done, and it it's a limited way, and uh, you know it's well, it's, it's a dead end way. It's an but it's the way method, we've been using. But there's it. unintended consequences, obviously, yeah. which right. is with all the effluent coming out of it and the the long term sort of like cyclical nature of it. So that's why we need to reverse it because I think it's only been fifty years since we've been this you know industrial. Specific right. it in all, agriculture, post World War Two, where they said, "Look, we're we want to we want to make a lot of a lot using this small area." Well, I, what I read, and again, it was in this in this book. I might have that, read the same thing. Yeah, is that <laughs> it, it, please please help me with this more? But what I remember is that they literally after World War Two, the munitions factory had an incredible surplus of the nitrates and and mm. uh, the fertilizer. What what is now fertilizer, but the components to make explosives are what you use in fertilizers. And that for, they ran by a few different plants. And the first thought was to spray it on our forest to increase wood production. But in the end, it went to our farms. And here we are today. Yeah, here we are today here discussing are today. it in beerschool.com. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could just make everything out of corn. Everything would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's another thing. They well, Budweiser like, likes corn in their beer. <laughs> they like rice, actually. I think, yes. it's, I think it's Miller. More, the, more rice than corn. I think Miller is the yeah. one who puts corn in yeah. corn oh. and uh, Corona and all that. Yes. The, um, the, the, crazy, the crazy thing about the Big Mac is that 26 ingredients in that, 23 of them come from corn. From, have corn really? product on them. Yeah. yeah no, wow. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Isn't no, McNugget's even worse. A Are you McNug- kidding me? No. McNugget is like 63% corn. I walked away from McDonald's like five years ago, so yeah. but I'm glad to I get a, I get a sausage McMuffin with egg every now and then. Do you really? Get, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Sausage McMuffin with egg. Do you have any knowledge about In-N-Out? Because I, that's oh, well, In-N-Out in 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 is basically um, 100% beef. The bun may have uh, corn product in it, sure, but sure. you know that's just a byproduct of the way that they make that. But, but again, the beef is fed massive amounts of corn, and cows yeah. do not eat corn in nature. Come on, okay. We're straight in and out for me. He was like, he saw he was a light at the end of the tunnel over here with like yeah. in and out. And you're like, no, no, no. the beef is wrong. Is <laughs> well, no, a cow though, or a steer? Eating corn on the cob. <laughs> 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 Their little hooks. <laughs> They're so happy. They do. Oh my god! Gives them gas. The whole, the whole, Have you the ever whole... smelled Harris Ranch going on I five? You know, I was, <laughs> for for a actually, you know, it's like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> I was in a small plane flying over Los Banos. Okay. At however many thousand feet you're flying over in a plane to take pictures. Yeah. And you, you could s- smell dairies at like the, in the plane at. X thousand feet. Yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> but I still eat beef. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, if you want to have, uh, if you're going to go for fast food, In and Out's probably your best. Really? Bet. Is yeah. it? Okay, yeah. thank you. All right, that's all I wanted to hear. Beef isn't bad. It's what they feed certain beef. 
You know, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, eating. I don't think that it's the corn that really gets the cows. It's the butter that goes on the corn. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of the cow. <laughs> um, goes very well with <laughs> keeping de- <laughs> keeping detailed written production out. and sales records, yeah. um, and I can't imagine that you wouldn't keep this detailed info well, so, anyway. But you can imagine because people do all sorts of crazy <laughs> things. But we do like to keep uh, records. <laughs> and it's reporting. It's being able to report back. Yeah. Right. In whatever format. People want stuff reported, and I would assume. I need, well, basically, what I need, I need to like jot down every lot number that every pallet that comes in has a lot number, mm-hmm. which basically you know implies where it came from, Canada or where the case may be, and that I have to jot down on my brewing schedule sheet, for example. So okay, they know, for example, I use let's say nine hundred thirty-five pounds of uh, organic pale malt. I jot down. That's all I have to do is basically add, jot down whatever the uh, on the packaging slip the, the lot number is. That's all they're asking. So that basically, if something goes wrong, they can basically backtrack and follow the audit. Pa- pa- yeah. yeah, audit. Go. go to the paper trail, and uh, that's basically what we have to do. So again, it's really not that difficult. I mean, it sounds like it's a big production, but it's a little bit extra work. Well, you're keeping a log anyway. Yeah, right? of course. You, every, every beer has a log, yes. Right. And um, we come up with 900, by the way, and two beers. Two brews. Wow. Right? Wow. So, we, we have to talk about that. <laughs> well, it's going to be the barley wine, whether we like it or not. Cause that's nice. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, I like yeah, it. The, uh, the barley wine will be batch 900. So, yeah, basically, obviously, we're at number 900. And when I jot down how much organic barley goes into it, I'll just have to jot down a, you know, an extra mm-hmm. little bit of information. It doesn't take much. So it's really not that, uh, that, that arduous of a process. Maintaining strict physical separation of organic products from non-certified products. Well, that's the thing. If you go 100% organic, that is the key. Yeah, now, right. As I mentioned earlier, we, we are 75% and up uh, made with organic ingredients, and therefore the strict separation from the raw materials isn't relevant to us. Okay. So it's basically we have a blend, if you will. Well, it would be if we used more than that percent of uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even know how to do that, to be <laughs> well, uh, we wouldn't. I mean, you'd I, have to have two difficult. facilities. So basically, yeah, this is basically this is saying keep the rats away from the bags of grain. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an old there's an old statement in uh, Germany. They say that the mouse is always smarter than the brewer. <laughs> but uh, but we don't have rats. But <laughs> it's rats, the year of the rat. It is the year of the rat. You know, if you're in, if you're in Chinatown and you see a rat in a restaurant, I, that's a sign of luck for the next twelve months. Uh, <laughs> if only I could play us. the same logic of the brewery, it'd be great. But, uh, we yeah. no, I mean, we I, I I frankly whatever it's worth, I, I'm overkill and cleanliness in the brewery. So oh, the brewery there is beautiful. Thank you. It's a. Uh, it's quite a, you know, if you're in San Francisco and you want to see a, a very unique brewery, the Thirsty Bear is. It is rather unique. I think it's very much like a temple of beer when you walk in there because it's like this. Our fermenters are a little bit taller than most, for example. Yeah, you can see them from the bar. Yeah, yeah you can see them at the bar. They're at least 20 feet high, I think. But we wanted them when I designed it and all the whole idea. This was the architect. It wasn't right. my idea. But the ergonomics want to see them because the, the, uh, the, the, the well, it, it works out in the sedimentation as far as the, the, you know, our natural filtration process or the flocculation of the yeast. It works out perfectly um, and, and actually in the fermentation and being a higher 
and and being more movement as far as from the the lower lower part of the fermenter to the higher part, the way the yeast you know uh, for, forces the movement of the of the beer while it's fermenting. But ultimately, it was an architect's decision. Like we want to put the 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 fermentation tanks in the floor below, and we want them to come up through the ground floor where the the person is going to be. But to do that, I mean, you can make very short, squat fermentation tanks. They wouldn't have even pierced the the floor where everyone's going to be in. So they made them very, the legs fairly tall and very thin, tall tanks. Really? Uh, Oh, yeah, they're tall. I'm like like four foot three, so I'm like... (laughs) It is spectacular in that sense. It it does have a very beautiful visual aesthetic. Or or the pad, the, the, the brew house i.e. the hot liquor tank, the mash tun, and the kettle are on a pad that yeah. I remember, you know, just we had to it, – it's cinder blocks on the outside, but it had to be filled. It had to be solid. And and underneath the brewery is all sand uh, there. It's all yeah. – I, I don't know if it was landfill or, or no, what. A lot of San Francisco I think sand. I think that – that, well, yeah, but also that part, it's right at the edge where it may not have been – Land at one point. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's no, close. You know what? That that where Thirsty Bear is was definitely land. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's close anyway. But I know I that I know that ta- where I know that where Twenty One A is used to be right on the edge of the water. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're the then we're cool. Yeah. Right. We're cool. I like that actually. It makes me feel safer <laughs> in an earthquake or whatever. But I do remember with my really good friend and one of my investors just. Over a weekend, going. This has to get filled, you know, before they come in and pour the concrete pad. Is that you and Lars? And we were, yeah, Lars and I, just shoveling sand, drinking, drinking six packs of beer, and and actually we put Mm. we we put the six packs in the pad. They're entombed. Really? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was good. It was at the time. Six packs of what? I had to. I don't mind admitting this. Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada. (laughs) Uh, Good working beer. That's exactly what it was. It's funny you guessed. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I've, I've this, uh, what else was available of, back then? Huh? One of the things light. we get on, on Beer School is every now and then we get a little bit of hate mail from people about, wow. um, you jerks are always talking about all this fantastic beer you can get. And I was trying to start this project, and one person has done it. I went to my local corner market uh, that has a really good beer selection and took a picture of all the coolers and then listed all the beers that I can get at my corner market. But then I have this thing I call the gas station beer. And the, the real test of how, you know, beer connoisseuring – let me spin some little bit of bad English here. Um, how good <laughs> the beer scene is where you are is what can you get at the gas station? True. And, you know, here, if you walk into a place and you can't find a six-pack of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale – no good. And, you know, that's a gimme now yeah. at this point. I mean, any any crappy gas quite, station. Quite frankly, it's a very enjoyable beer. It is. You know, it's it's well made. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's It's no... stayed the same since forever. Yeah. yeah and <clears throat> d- Except I, it's, gone, it's gone to pry off again. I have a off. question. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's, uh, is it, it still yeah. bottle yeah. conditioned? Yeah. Yeah. Really? It's still bottle conditioned. It's still bottle conditioned. Anchor went to twist off and Sierra went to pry off. I was wondering. So next time you wonder why your hand's bloody? Yeah. No, no. I've been wondering about that. I was. I was wondering when it went to the pry-off, was there, was, did they change the bottle? Can it, because that, to me, it's still the unique quality of it's, that is beer. Is it still relatively bottle conditioned? I don't know it, it, is. Yeah. it is. That's what yeah. we're saying. It the, is. You know, the, and the that's, Sierra thing, they, there was something. I, was, I love that. Always read. It was in Jay Brooks' blog. Okay. Um, they've invented some sort of better cap. Okay. For yeah, the getting it. oxygen in or, or It probably oxygen absorbs in. oxygen, yeah. the minute amounts that get picked up during bottling. Maybe it, the cap absorbs. Yeah. And this beer is very it only, good. It only works with a, uh, with a, not, with a pry-off. 
It Good for them. Saws, but it's sterling in there now, so it's a little bit different. I just noticed that. But whatever. Details. 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 We'll get to the hop crisis later. So the, <laughs> it's not saws anymore. No, in the saws were no longer available. They so what the heck's in there? Which is a, a domestic sterling. sterling. It's, it's, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's I'm domestic, the last it's to know. domestic saws. <laughs> are, they, are they saving all the saws for my Rataburger? Uh, <laughs> no, I think they, they bought all the American domestic well, crop. To it, it, that is a reason, though. It's very interesting that... It's very difficult to get organic hops, and the only organic hops you can get are typically from New Zealand. And uh, uh, you know, my my understanding—I won't say this is gospel—is it's because Budweiser sort of got a little bit into the organic process, and they bought up all the organic hops, and so it's it's just hard to get, and it's it's hmm. too bad. Well, also the hobbits are dying off, and those are the one they're <laughs> yeah. the guys who are raising the uh, organic. Hops. The Do you know why organic, <laughs> you know where all the organic hops come from? New Zealand. Why? Because there are no, there's no fungus down there, or and in particular, uh. Uh, I forget the actual name for it. They're organic by default. All the things that create the problems for European and North American hop growers don't exist on the island of New Zealand. Therefore, they don't bother using them, and therefore, ergo, they are organic. It's it's uh, it's, Very like we, cool. it's the place we need to go back to. You know, like where we were uh, 50 years ago, where everything was organic. You know, by default. So. Yeah, that's the reason. That's why all the hops that are organic come from New Zealand. It's it's a funny thing. It has nothing to do with their conscious decision. It's just they don't need to use it. Climate control. Climate control. Yes. Well, it's an island. Then uh, oh, it's an uh, island. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the same thing. <laughs> in, uh, well, no, and this <laughs> isn't a continent. Just a really big island. It's not a continent. That's Australia. 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 That's Australia. Australia. Like a continent like North America. Oh, yeah. like really big island. Uh, it's really uh, big. Water. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> it you want to probably clever, yeah, it has right. to do with. Airflow going over. I do over want to be it. clever someday. <laughs> someday. Someday. After this, after well, this no, beer, no, this we're is, halfway there. This is why. This is <laughs> Let's why. Let's open a new one. Uh, okay. This is why Hawaii the rest has of the this huge, and even California has has a. Uh, when you walk into the island or walk into California, you are stopped by agriculture. The ag stop says, "So, are you bringing any carrots or oranges or apples?" And you're like, "Yeah." And like, uh, hand them over. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget that. You know, I have not been through a functioning egg station <laughs> at the border in I don't know the how 70s? long. That's true. Have they stopped yeah. that. I mean, I remember that, but I don't remember like, like recently. In Tahoe, for example, I was in Tahoe two weeks ago. There's never anybody at the one at, at, at if know, it's snow Myers. Maybe, I if think it's it might snowing, be from the uh, fruit fly thing. That no, but if it, 90s, I think they can do it every now. No, and no, then. no. But was, if but if it's snowing, they don't stop you. No, coming back from uh, the OBF dead. last year, I was actually driving. Mistake. Uh, she only, <laughs> she only do, getting just like I'm done with the Brewers Festival. I want to get on a plane and go home. <laughs> um, the one in the middle of nowhere on a Highway Five, uh, they there was nobody there. Hmm. I mean, there were no humans there. Sometimes there's like somebody there. I don't know who goes into the lane to get pulled over. It's very stressful though, isn't it? Still, and you're like, oh man. <clears throat> What do I have in my trunk right now? If it's What's funding crisis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the, the body's organic in the trunk. Uh, the last, this the last part of organic certification is undergoing periodic on-site inspections. Yeah, well, that hasn't happened yet, but it's it's coming up. It basically happens once a year, and that's when we basically review my documentation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really about it. Like, again, that's what we pay our big fees and yeah, for. Yeah, that's what we pay the big fees yeah. for. <laughs> so I do is, sign those fee. checks. A, there's a hustle involved in this thing. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you have to pay the ferryman. You, yes, you do. The taxman cometh. And, 
But that's basically about it. They come by, they check, sh- make sure that everything's uh, in line, that your documentation is accurate, makes sense to them. They can read it. They can follow it. Um, I haven't had gone through it yet, so that's my understanding of how it operates currently. So hopefully it goes well when they show up. We'll find be, out. Which will be soon, yeah. Yeah. Well, right now we're only four months, exactly. five months into the process. So I think we haven't been four months to probably show up. Re-reviewed. And get re-reviewed, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they don't want to be like Nazis about it, but they're, you know, they're concerned. They want to make sure that everything's... I find them very helpful. Yeah, you know, they cool. want to help cool people, you. They're, they're not you know? out there I mean, they're to from ding Santa you. Cruz, you know? So. <laughs> so sometimes they're a little slower than usual, but, <laughs> but they're very nice people. Yeah. Give me some of them hops. <laughs> give me some of them. <laughs> I have none to give you. Um, <laughs> You want to talk about hops? We, we can go up on the on the roof. Are you growing hops? <laughs> I did grow hops for two years on my uh, my old place in North Beach. Yeah, they never uh, they I didn't split up the rhizome. Mm. Uh, so I only got two years, third year, nothing happened. But I got a couple of little hops. What varietal did you choose? I have no idea. <laughs> Random. They're just beautiful See, that's, that's one thing. and great smell. It's I, fun I, to grow. I learned early on after brewing two ba- batches of beer a long time ago that I am much better as a consumer <laughs> than a producer. <laughs> even just even just with my friends, because we all sort of, sort of start doing the homebrew thing at the same time. I'm like, wow, your beer is good and my beer sucks. I guess <laughs> really? I'm going to stop. Oh, yeah. Analysis over production. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's interesting about the inspection is that the USDA is taking organic seriously. Because they don't want it to be a buzzword. They want it to be real. And that's because because if it like trivialize it, but I mean, it is hardcore paperwork, but it's not as bad as people think it is. Although there are people who complain it's not rigorous enough that they Uh, allow guar gums and certain amounts of additives that don't have to be. Um, organic and, you know, even people who were pioneers in the movement from uh, Earth, whatever, right. you know, there's uh, a lot of Earth uh, first kind are of ostracized for, for, you know. And as an outsider, the, uh, Ron is like the instigator, or not the instigator, but the uh, <laughs> impetus behind this whole scenario. He said, let's go organic and he's like, we want this to happen. This is my business. Let's, let's go this direction. So I got it. I, I learned through him, or just I basically had to learn these things. Um, and there is a lot of politics involved in the organic community, um, <laughs> if you will. And and I, you know, I can I can see where they're coming from, and there had to be a fight made. But I think the time is. I think the fight is the war is being won, so to speak. And I think we can maybe be a little more open, if we will. This is again my personal opinion, uh, just from my personal experiences with the organic uh, certification process. Um, I agree with them, and I know they they did the right thing. I, I think we're at a point now where we're sort of like at a uh, transition point where we can move on beyond combative nature and more into a collaborative kind of situation. Where Kumbaya. We, you know what I mean? <laughs> Kumbaya. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, I, I think the market is catching on. Uh, P, the consumer, more importantly, is interested. I think that's where the real power will lie is if people want to buy it. You know, I mean, people want to become organic. Um, and I think they've done a good job the last 30 years of presenting their case. So, well, what's happened to some degree is organic has gone from a niche market where you know a small farmer could make their yeah. their their dollar in selling organic, and 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 it typically involved uh, multiple um, products, multiple you know uh, farming a variety 
of, of products, not monoculture. And, you know, monoculture was always in so, uh, associated with industrial uh, agriculture. But now there's industrial organic. But I, I still believe industrial organic is better than straight-out industrial agriculture because of the impact of, of greenhouse gases, because of the impact of what goes into the soil, because of the impact of what goes into the water. So it's not perfect. But I prefer it to the, you know, to, but, the, to what? Could, yeah, go ahead. If I could add one thing about, like, just on the brewing side, if you look at what German brewery manufacturers are doing on effluent control, CO2 condensation um, return, um, and all these things, because they have to strive to generate a market in the international side, like German brewing manufacturers go to, like, Thailand or China, whatever the case may be. But the amount of energy and engineering they put into Effluent control, zero emissions, a lot, a lot of what Sierra Nevada is doing up in Chico, for example. I think it's a New great Belgium American brewing company New Belgium. was a pioneer. And those things are, I think, are the future in terms of, um, of, where, of where the industrial organic element will continue. You know? And I think we can change our, our effluence. That's really what it comes down to. It's not about no making doubt. money. It's not about like – it's just about how do we manage – we have input into, a, into our process, the brewery, and then we have our output. How do we change the output just going down the drain into basically recircling it and reusing it? And once you can figure out the technology behind that, we have a 20% reduction in our, in our global sort of you know, effluent problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean it's what, stuff like that. What maybe. would you rather find on a piece of lettuce, like leftover pesticides or a ladybug? I, yeah, ladybugs. I, I, I like every ladybugs. single time. Ladybugs are cool. Every single <laughs> John will John will commit one hundred percent of the time to finding a ladybug. I think I will too, and they're good luck. They are good luck. Have yeah. you ever? I, Speaking I, of good luck, do you have any more beer? I do have more beer. Excellent. <laughs> Tell us about it. Okay, so, so we just went through the. Uh, we had the polar bear pilsner, which polar bear. is one of our loggers. Mm, um, we can either go to the hibernator lager, which is the double buck, or we can go to the aged cherry. Oh, do you want to say that for later? I don't know. What are you guys in the mood for? I think we just came back from Strong Beer eeny, at 21A. Mighty so. Bach. Bach. Bach it is. All right. Um, so the, the amazing thing about this is that organic has changed from, from 1990 on uh, when they basically started measuring it. So in 1997, the market of organic was $3.5 billion. In 2004, it was it – was, uh, four times it was twelve billion dollars. In two thousand five, it w- went up another twenty percent to to fourteen billion, and uh, in two thousand seven, it was fifteen and a half billion dollars. This is in the United States. So worldwide, uh, at about, um, at, you know, basically double the numbers. Well, it's, I mean, seeing- look at it. You can find organic uh, product. In Walmart, yeah, you can find. Or I mean, obviously, one. the proliferation of Whole Foods or this or that. It's just well, no Safeway even. Even in Safeway. Safeway, they have huge amounts of organic. Now, that that turned around that company. That company was going out of business, and not just the organic, but that 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 emphasis on produce on fresh. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's I'm, I mean, <laughs> no, I just go. I go. It wow, does. This box smells like cherries. <laughs> <laughs> They're both the same color. That's the problem. It it but, does change the nature of things, but I I, I prefer like cherries. This box tastes like cherries. <laughs> well, the thing with Whole Foods is interesting because it, it appears that it's that it's a a reaction to 
to 2000, you know, to like seven years ago. And in fact, it was Whole Foods was started in 1978 in Austin, Texas. Wow. Austin, I went to a brewery conference there. It's awesome town. Oh, yeah. Austin's an amazing place. It's kind of like the island in the middle of Texas that shouldn't, that time <laughs> I, forgot. It's like <laughs> the San Francisco in Texas. Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been to Texas twice, both for college football games. And all, I, I went to Berkeley, as most of the beers cold listeners will know. And most of the Berkeley fans who live in Texas, one I was I was in Dallas and I was in Houston. They're like, "You should go to Austin. It's nice there. <laughs> Very nice." And everything uh, I've heard. It's high on my right list, before I opened like, Thirsty Bear, there was uh, the uh, brewery conference that they have every year. The uh, was it a God? I'm spacing out the name now. A J, no, <clears throat> a whatever. A O, A O P, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> Association of Brewers. That's it. Association of they're, Brewers. They're they're conference down there. So, but if you look down the history of Whole Foods, all these companies that they've absorbed over time. So, for example, Whole Food Company started in October 1974. Uh, Wellspring Grocery 1981. Uh, Bread and Circus 1975. Mrs. Gucci's was 1977. <laughs> this is Gucci's, but they're purchasing. Them. They're, they're like the Microsoft <laughs> yeah. of the organic. Yeah. right. Uh, uh, fresh, fresh fields. Get me some organic. Fresh, fresh fields. <laughs> fresh fields. First store opened in 1991. Uh, Bread of Life, 1980. Um, Amrion, which is a Boulder, uh, Colorado company, 1987. So I mean. It's wow. all these companies are really old. You know, they go back to the middle eighties where people are like, Well, we want to have a better product. We want to have we want to know what we want to know our, our local. And you know, these are all around the country. This isn't just Berkeley, California no. or San Francisco. No. It's all it's you know, Minnesota, New Orleans, there's Washington probably, DC. There's uh, probably organic everywhere. in the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> Best name ever. <laughs> Wild Oats, nineteen eighty-seven. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it, it's something that's that you know a lot of people s- s- foresaw what they wanted, not foresaw, but they said this is what I want. This is what I want to bring to my community. I'm going to make this happen here because I can. Well, I mean, I I grew up in a place where. As a kid, I remember a lot of psychedelic school buses around town. <laughs> and the smarter or luckier people who managed to turn their dream of going up to the country and, like, doing it natural, uh, the ones who actually turned it into a business, that's what you're seeing is the maturation yeah. of how long it took them to turn whatever freaky hippie idea that they had into something that's viable and an uh, economic power. Um you probably see that in a lot of things. I remember my hometown, there was a company called Real Gas and Electric that had a windmill on top of their building. Yeah. I forget for how many years it was there. And they were selling, before it was, before anybody really knew what they were doing, uh, sort of like solar and all that sort of, you know, when it was still sort of Rube Goldberg solar stuff and windmills and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with food. You what? come up. What's great about all this is it, it has come from the bottom up. It's not like yeah, you know, some New York marketing firm decided, right. hey, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be the next big thing. It's literally been a demand from people, and uh, that's, that's nice about it. I mean, it's really – that's what <clears> – <throat> it's not the Bush administration that's like, going <laughs> right. to deal with global warming. It's people pushing, 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 and 
Well, you know, you so know, that's beautiful. And you look at Whole Foods, right? So they started in 1978, one store, and now 2000, 2008, there are 270 stores. They employ 42,000 people. Wow. And they make $5.5 billion a year. <laughs> you know, that's a revenue. Are they selling stock? Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> they, they're actually on the stock. They're on the stock exchange. You know, they've and they've opened stores in in affluent places where well, you know where where people are like, you know what, I have a choice. I want to go to here because I know without thinking about it that I'm going to get a better product. What they what they actually do is they don't go. Their demographic they study is education level, not income. That's why there's no 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 no. That's why I meant by affluent places, right? Yeah. It has nothing to do with how much money is there. It has to do with with uh, you know where smart people are, yeah. and that's why you see. Brendan's <clears throat> <laughs> laughing. I'm sorry, is there some? I think they're going to use this in their advertising. Like brilliant, all of a sudden. No, <laughs> <Yo. laughs> I'm so there's smart. I like organic too. Like God knows Well, and the thing. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I I like to go to the store. Well, I think it's I think it's wrong. really cool. <laughs> but I also like. Wow, I don't know if I can afford this place. Well, that, that's the the problem in a sense is that. Uh, Something that's good for the environment, good for the world, good for your body, good for whatever. It shouldn't be inaccessible. Mm. It shouldn't be for the elite. It's right. not like, oh, just because we're smart and rich, we get to have this. And that, that is the crime. And hopefully, you know, and that, that's the problem, though, in, in, in uh, the controls in the marketplace, the more difficult you make to be uh, organic or, you know, along those lines, the more expensive, the more elite right. it becomes. And it should not be an elite product. Well, I can, I can go to a hardware store and buy a screwdriver for 99 cents <laughs> yes. that will last for six months. Or I can go to <laughs> Sears uh, or the Snap-on tool truck or someplace and buy a, school dr- a screwdriver that will last forever. Yes. And with food, people don't see the same sort of correlation. Right. And I think if you you can buy so much stuff that breaks so easily that there's no there's no quality behind the price that you're paying for the for the product. And it's easier to see that with a, a, a you know, a socket that like strips as soon as you like use it. And with food people are starting I think people are starting to get that. But well, I think, so. I think that's, that's part of the reason we had the craft brewery movement, you know, is because people got tired of, well, that's part of it, but like uh, people got sick and tired of eating craft cheese or like drinking. Uh, <laughs> now, that's funny because. But was, you, I'm not sorry, I want to say like, I thought a name, a brand name, but like industrial light lagers. Industrial pie. No, and well, like, think I was about gonna it. Say, and like, you we, said craft cheese. Is that craft with a K or craft with a C? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like this <laughs> no, movement like is. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, crap. Where I'm going with yeah that? I saw that. Okay, the, now I see it. See yeah. why I'm sorry. I meant, a... I'm sorry. I meant with a K. Yeah. yeah. Think, <laughs> think of the single slice thing. Yeah, this you know. is not one dimensional. I mean, it's yeah, it true. was it was bread. Remember when all of a sudden you could get yeah. whole grain bread yeah. and then wine. You know, you went from. Gallo that was just jug wine to Gallo. I mean, they made eventually a very sophisticated wine. But what I'm saying is California, you know, wins the the title in the French blind tastings and all. And then you get that in American cheese, the same thing. You get it in the beer. You get it in, yeah. Yeah, but you just said American cheese, and I was like, oh, that's really, oh, no, wait, actually. Right, right, not the American yellow cheese. (laughs) 
think of the cheeses that we produce now. Oh, like Jesus, think of the cheeses. Jesus, I'm so excited. Well, but no, it's all of these have become so much more craft oriented: wine, cheese, beer, bread. Etc. And the slow food movement, yeah. slow food USA. That's right. And it's just all. Let's throw a pitch in there real quick for slow food. Uh, slow, slow beer. Slow beer. Slow beer. Oh, March first. Coming up. Golden I, Gate Park. I read this Ninth and I was like, Lincoln. Oh, I want to go to this. You have oh, to go. You I know. No, I was excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's all uh, like locally handcrafted uh, artisanal food mm. with with beer. local artisanal beer. beer. And do they go to? I mean, slow food is so excited to be associated with the San Francisco Brewers Guild, i.e. Awesome. The, the group of the, the craft breweries We need to San take uh, people's focus off wine and cheese and wine and food and put it more into beer and cheese and beer and food. And beer and oysters. And they, beer the wine and industry has done an exceptional soft. job the last 50 years convincing everybody in America that the only thing that goes with, with fine dining is fine wine. We need to start talking about the fact that fine beer, like craft brewed beer, is exceptional with every type of Absolutely. cuisine out there. And I Absolutely. think it's, it's the future of the craft brewing movement is how do we pair it with food? I think we've got the quality down. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about how do, we, how do we get this into the culinary arts. I don't know. Chef, know? Right, right. Chef Lorenzo brought out the oh, lamb. Oh, my and the, God. <laughs> the Osobugo appetizer. <laughs> oh Osobugo with the sprouts coming out of the yeah, bone brilliant. marrow. I love oh, it. No, it but the, stuff. But the, the, the mashed potatoes, and he was right. I made this to go with the Golden Doom. He did. Yeah, from 20, 21st yeah. Amendment. But he was like, we, he was like, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's then, the direction we need to go. Yeah, you know? that's, that's why we can still talk here because we have something in exactly. our stomachs. Exactly. So, <laughs> so how come up with the original because Thirsty Bear is also renowned for their their Spanish cuisine, which is there you another go. sort of you know, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know what? I love. Uh, I the love of Ron Silverstein can explain that one to you, but uh, <laughs> just so everyone knows, the it's tapas, T A P P A S. No, yeah, one P, one P. Yeah, not, <laughs> not topless. Yeah. although I get that all the but time. But anyway, topless is across the street, yes. and we've done Gold Club. Yeah, we've done we've done the the pairing as it is. <laughs> <laughs> beer and topless. Yeah, topless. Top and then I decided to do beer and tapas. Hey, I, top can, I can vouch for the Cobb salad yeah. at the Gold Club. Eh? <laughs> but, uh, but the it's idea is, but the idea is that you can go and recklessly order a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody can share everything that that comes out, and then eventually you get a paella because mm. that takes you know a while to cook, and then everybody digs into that too. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really you know it's, it's a community kind of. I, I, Table. Had, I had lived in Spain, and so I was very accustomed to tapas. And there they would call uh, literally what we're drinking right now in the, the style glass. They would call it caña, and a little beer and a little bit of food. And it was an extremely social uh, situation. Uh, and when I lived in Spain, people – it wasn't very often there would someone go – Someone would say, oh, come to my house for a party. No, it's like, oh, let's meet at this bar. But then there's five, ten more places you went to that evening. It's extremely social. And food was very much a part of every drink you had. There would be an accompaniment of food. Well, so my, my thought is, it was, you know, in the, in the States that, that, that beer is the ultimate social beverage. I mean, we all sit around. We drink with our friends. and It's really fun. And tapas, because it's a family-style shared plates, whatever, small plates, whatever you want to call it. The idea is that is that 
elbows are, are rubbed and bumped and people reach over and you're all eating it's a, it's a, it's it's a it's a com, you know it's a community based uh, style of eating and so it was just that it was a, you share your beer you share your tapas you know it's a very fun friendly kind of thing and it it worked out you know it worked out and it does allow from a culinary standpoint it allows a chef to experiment with 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 small things, you don't have to invest your whole meal in one thing. I'm going to have this, and that's it. You know, no, it's I'll have a little of this, a little of that, and we all share. And it it, it worked out really well. Um, yeah, I I mean, I did know at the time I wanted to make it social, but I'm I'm, I'm happy of how it turned out. Actually. Yeah. Go out and you get your vanilla, you get your vanilla beer and some fish cheeks. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It and sounds the, and crazy, the, and but the it potatoes, works. It does and work. the potato cubes. Yeah, the patatas bravas. Potato chunkies, as I like to call them. Now, um, a book that that everybody should read, and I probably plugged the most on this show: Three Sheets to the Wind by Pete Brown. Oh. It's like the culture going around talking about the culture of beer around the world. Okay, and correct me if I'm wrong. Spain's not really known for their beer. They're not known for their beer, but they but drink a lot of it. <laughs> his, whole, the whole, the, his whole story of going through Spain, it's just like, I want to go drink beer in Spain. It's, you know, it, it yeah, when I was up. there, yeah. and I was there again in the early 80s uh, before I, I, I came I saw back Barcelona. To, yeah. And, and <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was shocked <laughs> by the amount of beer they drank. I, I would go there and I'd order what they call a chato, a little a little wine, you know, because I thought that was the Spanish thing to do. And I did learn a lot about wine. But they do drink beer because it goes with food, because it is social, and, and it's easy to drink. You drink a beer, you're not, it's not such a commitment as far as the alcohol and this and that. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's, it's – but, the, you know, the, the breweries that influenced Spain mostly were, were German-style breweries, almost like here in the States. You'd have – one of the the beers I liked uh, at the time there was called Bolam, V O L D A M M, and uh, if I'm not spelling it incorrectly, um, and it was a German sub beer, but they would have a, a dark beer and this and that. But the, most of the beers were were German style lagers. I mean, that's what they brought in there. That's what they they brewed. Yeah, no, nothing I special. I that. I mean, I went to nothing Be- special. I went to Belize about a year ago, and there was a place called Enig Belican Beer. And the brewery is on the airport. I looked inside, recognized the manufacturer. It was a better plan system. And they produced Hellas. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Belican beer is Hellas. Yeah. And it was delicious. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, so the German influence across well, the... Uh, yeah, Budweiser or Budweiser sure. or Miller. All those were German style. Lagers. I mean, that's, that's... It's the international Pilsner thing. The worst... In the Africa, worst, too, actually. The yeah. worst show that we've done, in my opinion, was one that we had with almost no planning, but I think in concept... It was a good it was idea. brilliant. And it's pairing German beers against their... Strange international counterpart. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Oh, fascinating. How did that go? It is a great concept. <laughs> it was a, awesome. I've been in Africa. I've been in Europe. We didn't, and, and the we didn't German have, in America. And yeah, the German what, beers. We had no what research. Happened, we were going to do, we do a show on the Sam Adams uh, long shot beers. And okay. we figured we are just going to go down to Beppo and pick up a six pack long shot, come back and talk about the beers. They were all out. We couldn't find long shot anywhere. So I'm like, we should try this one. And yeah, the show was just like, uh, but we should, we should, that should be on our. We're gonna read, yeah, we're gonna read, we're gonna re-explore that because basically every, you know, if you get a Sintao, that's the German beer. 
It well, is no, the local brewery, yeah. Manufactured by a German bottle plant, traveled given to him by Weinstefan, uh, brewing engineer, who said, you know, this is how we're going to run things here, yeah. and this is yeah. what's going to happen. This is how we're going to change the but water. But look at, yeah. look so. at um, Negro Modelo. I mean, that's that's a you know it's, it's a Schwarzbier. Yeah, Schwarzbier. Actually, it's a Vienna Lager. Oh, sorry, it's a Vienna Lager. Schwarzbier yeah, right. would be a black Lager. It's, it, oh, you've tried uh, the Shiner Black, right? Not yet. No. From, oh, you need to find it. Yeah. Has it good? Is yeah. it good? It's it is really good. good. I've had it. Because yeah, you I mean, and I share that passion for German yes, beer. Yes, we do. And I'm like, well, you wow, this beer. is good. Is it good? Yeah. yeah. Spre- no, good you, should, you should definitely <laughs> yeah. seek it out. Because I've, you know, I've always enjoyed uh, Shiner Bach, you know. But we got this beer randomly just because, like, yeah. hey, we've never seen this before. Turned out it was awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. What, yeah. what it was everything was spot on. Everything, everything was, was per- it was it was and it's sad because most of the local, you know, in Texas is not gonna enjoy this beer. Right, right, Because right. they're like, um, it's too dark. It's coming in a black bottle. Or it's not gonna catch the connection to the to the uh, style and just yeah. uh, the great thing about Schwarz beer is it looks like sin, but it yeah. tastes like heaven. It's, you know? rough. it's like, so good. Yeah. It's a very easy drinking uh style Lots. of beer. This right beer now. that we're drinking here, the the cherry? <laughs> you know, I had double check. <laughs> <that. Very, laughs> well, no, but this. It's a, it's I don't think. It, I honestly think this is. No, this is the hibernator. I think that's the hibernator because, like, let me double check. Because it's too sweet. It's not sour. Yeah, it's, it's like if that. this is it's cherry. The, I'm like, I'm just gonna say, if this is cherry, there's no cherry, cherry flavor. No, 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 no. Did it's interesting? Cause did I, you pour it, Brendan, or did someone mess up on on filling no, up the growlers? Oh. No, no, it was he. That's so the what cherry, I think right? this is the cherry. I think what okay, we're looking we're drinking the the double bock over the right double now, which basically has a tremendous amount of Munich malt in it, so which does give it a very rich. juiciness to it. I think, yeah. and because um, you guys were saying cherries, I'm like, well, I don't think I'm no. tasting cherry. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm imagining the yeah. cherry, no, and, no. Then, and I just noticed I poured both of them. They both had the exact same color, and I realized that now, and I'm like, well, no. such is life. But yeah. after a couple of uh, strong beers, we'll be okay. So check this out. This is the organic industry stats, and you're gonna. I'm gonna read these, and you're gonna go, "Wow, these are remarkably similar to something else." All right. Okay. Let's hear. Fastest it. growing U.S. food segment, growing twenty percent annually. Two thousand twenty percent. Twenty percent. Oh yeah. Two thousand two sales, approximately nine billion. So we know that two thousand eight, they're gonna do closer to twenty billion. Accounts for one. To two percent of total U.S. food sales, U.S. market projected at thirty billion dollars by two thousand seven. I just said that. Certified cropland in two thousand one is two point three five million acres, and organic products sold in seventy three percent of mainstream supermarkets. So you know, wow, what? John, that sounds like microbrews. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I was reading these stats earlier. And I'm like, wow, I've read these stats before. This is the exact same profile that we're seeing with craft beer. Hmm. You know, growing growing 20% annually, whereas other segments of beer is growing 1.5% to 2% because they're just, you know, they, they've exploited their market. They're not going to get any more people in there. But, or, but craft beer is growing annually by around 20%. And finally, craft beer seems to be uh, taken away from the imported. So. Yeah. Right. And uh and this number here and the two thousand two sales number is nine billion. That's a that's on the same track as what craft beer did that year. Wow. So it's like wow here it is. Whoop. There it Whoop. is. Whoop. Anyway, I, I was like, this is 
how crazy is it that that food and that that craft food or organic food and craft beer are on par with each other? It's not crazy at all. Actually. I know, but it was it was just it was one of those <laughs> but things. It's, it's, it's a, a brilliant. Uh Coincidence parallelism. Parallel. Synergy? Parallel. Synergy. Synergy. Yeah, That's yeah. the word we're all looking I'm for. I'm a consultant. We use words like <laughs> that. <laughs> Synergy is a big word. <laughs> big word. Yeah, I like that. The the comment about taking away from imported, I was I was at a place yesterday that had um, three beers on tap. And it was $5 for a pint of domestic and $6 for a pint of uh, imported. And the three beers were Bud Light. Pyramid Hefeweizen uh, and Trumer Pills. Wow! And I drink your Trumer. I, I told I told the guy behind. Was it Trumer local or imported? Is, no, this is this is this was in Berkeley. And I go, okay. uh, you should change your sign to uh, cheap beer, expensive beer. He understood. I don't think he was the one who made the sign, but he understood that the irony in the sign <laughs> that in Berkeley, both the two of the beer, the pyramid and the trimmer, are both brewed in Berkeley, five miles away from where I was purchasing, it was purchasing in, it. Wow. Being sold imported. imported prices. My God! And the wow. Bud Light was probably from up the road in Fairfield. Fairfield, for, right? right. It was all local. <laughs> Very good observation. Yeah, it's like because it, you go to a lot of places here where it's domestic imported. But imported means if you're in a Chinese restaurant, it's Singtao and Anchor Steam, and Anchor's not imported. I know, but but they what they mean to say is same inexpensive, price. more expensive. Well, you know, a gentleman at a beer school, I would say like I've I've been in the brewing industry for about twelve years, and I want to say that like at that time, twelve years ago, I was an impressionable young man. I was expecting to like change the world. And when you I hear have. and when I hear like things like this. I realize how much further we have to go. We've been at the uh, the craft brewing revolution, let's say, give it 30 years, whatever the case may be. But still, there is a tremendous amount of uh, consumer, I would say, ignorance, potentially indifference. But we still need to, like, you know, champion the cause for our product or our craft brewing uh, locally brewed beers because it does seem that sometimes – we get lost. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of effort made on behalf of spirits industry and wine industry to capture the market. Um, and sometimes I'm, after all these years of talking about the difference between then ales and lagers, people still like tell me, well, I don't like ale. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, I just don't like dark beer or something like that. You know? <laughs> and you're like, well, that's a, that doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. I don't want to like yell at you right now, but. But there is a tremendous amount of effort that still needs to be done on behalf of the craft brewing industry to uh, engage the consumers, educate the consumers, for lack of a better word, and uh, keep it going it's, because it's, we're not there yet where we really have the, captured everyone. You know, Who the hell walks into a bar and why do they buy Amstel Light? Well, there's still – I think there's Sexiness. Still, it's all about like, you know, well, keeping – you know, it's, it's, it's a sex I, I see thing, a few you know? things here on the, on the non-educated market. There's still going to be people who want to fill up, whether it's – Food, yeah, sure. or there's still going to be people who want to get drunk, whether it's uh, alcoholic <laughs> beverage. You know what I mean? That that's their primary goal. What is the, they want to get buzzed, or they want to fill up. <laughs> sure. And then, and then, if that's not it, it could be okay. Well, if I'm gonna do that, what is the sexiest advertising thing? And then beyond that, so you have to go. It's three steps now. It's like, oh, do I care about the quality of the product, or where does it come from, or what does it do for me and my, you know, health or body or God knows what, you know? And so it's really three steps removed to get to caring about what the ingredients are, because the first thing you are is just satisfy that need. The second thing you are is what is the 
you know, what's cool, what's, what's, what's commercial. And then the third thing is, well, what's in this? Right. So it's really it's sort of the tail end, unfortunately. Well, the, it's well, it's what we talked right? about. It's what we talked about at the Commonwealth Club, right? And and it's really important to me as a member of my community to know where the products are coming from. Right. Right. right? If I go me, to but- if I go to a restaurant, I'm going there because I know that this ingredient and this vegetable and these things came from a certain place because the guy who's the chef, the guy who's the brewer cares enough to make, to look out for me. Right. Right. Unfortunately, you're in a minority. I mean, like I said, it's sort of third, it's third string. Uh, Well, no, but uh, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that because this is the way, this is the way that, you know, this, this crazy city has taught me. Right, and right. I can have to that. Care. I, I, I can the city have, has taught you to care, and I can have that expectation. But what I want, you know, I mean, like we have a lot of people that listen to this show, and I know that that's influence. You know, me saying that they're like, I don't think I want to eat at fast food anymore. I, I want to go. I want to go and know, you know, the person who's made my food, the person who's made my beer. Because that made my wine, yeah, made my made my made by my abalone, collected my and my no no abalone. And the sad thing is, we can't get abalone anymore anymore because it's so good. Sure, you can. Uh, you have to pay. You the, know the right people. Yes, yeah, so you have <laughs> danger. If you go up to about like, three years go, ago, I had the, the the last abalone I had was at a tailgated in Dane's game. Wow. Because another brewer I know has a friend who is an abalone. Yeah. I'm a good friend of mine is an ab diver, so we get the Jenner every year. He goes diving for me and then basically yanks it apart. He dives it because I'm not a good diver. He goes on there. I'm a good floater. Are you a good floater? <laughs> I can yeah. see that. I float really I well. I see that in here. <laughs> you, the, best, the best ab that I ever had, somebody brought up and we took it out of its shell and we cut it up right then. Uh, the little quarter inch slices. Sushi. And it was like still, you know. Had wiggle to it, kidding me, and Shut eat up. it right. No, right, yeah, there. right there. Wow, oh, so good. No, we uh, we always like to like hammer it like thin, and then uh, that was my job. And good. yeah, just batter it. Yeah, yeah, smash it down, smash it down, tenderize it because it's a brutal little bugger. And yeah, uh, I think we just sauteed it in butter and garlic. And yeah, that's it right off the pan. Yeah, because we're up in Jenner on the campsite somewhere. That's right? always that's a good way did, to eat you know? ab too. But if you just out the door down the hall. If you can, if you if you ever experience just ab ab sushi, five, ab yeah, sushi. yeah, pretty much sushi. You know, it was like it wasn't even dead. It was really. <laughs> it was just was it a little bit chewy or what? It was really good. Was it good? Well, yeah, because it, it's briny it, or what? It's right? thick and it just you know yeah. it it it's chewy, uh, not like a steak, but. No, it's chewy like calamari. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but yeah, for the, the for calamari. The kids at home who've never experienced abalone, and that's probably a lot of people. Yeah, everybody. Abalone is is a, like a gigantic scallop with the consistency roughly of the the ring part of calamari. Yeah, but that's not doing it justice. No, no. abalone is amazing stuff. Uh, they're these gigantic like. Sort of like half football size yeah. shaped things. Well, they clamp onto rocks up on the northern California coast, and they're very, very protected. Uh, they have to be of a certain size. They have to be big enough to be harvested. Twelve yeah, inches. But, yeah, is that what it is? Well, it's, well, it's less than that. No, but. it's uh, nine inches. 
I think it's 90 inches. We can, you, we can, can, but yeah, exactly. you have it's to. Nine you inches. have to. Everybody's <laughs> telling the no. ladies nine inches, <laughs> nine, twelve, <laughs> whatever. No, it's but you have, to, you have to. You have to. In order to catch them or or take them, you have to have a, a, bar, a yeah. an ab bar, right? Ab bar, yeah. And so you basically have to measure this thing before you can even touch it. Right. And if it's if it's smaller than <laughs> your ab bar, you can't. Exactly. You can't have that. Uh, yeah, and you're sitting there getting you know, thrown around in the in the surf, and the northern I don't know if, who's listening, but the Northern California coast is not the Southern California Ooh. coast. It's uh, it's quite brutal. It's ice cold and vicious, and covered in nice old sharks everywhere. And and the beach is basically at the bottom of a 300 foot cliff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is no beach. It's all rocks, and there's sea anemones. <laughs> exactly, and the, and the sea lions aren't too friendly either. Whether they believe so, it or not. So, and, and then you got to dive under and like actually rip this off a uh, bottom of a rock. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you can't. And and this you, is how we. And eat. you wonder why. And you wonder why it goes for like 150 bucks a pound when you. And, and you can't. Nobody eats it. And you can't. And you can't. Uh, you can't be on air. You can't have scuba. You have to That's do. That's true. You have right. to free dive for the it's abs. A free diving situation. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And what, That's and, why and you I'm can not what, an take, ab diver. And what you can take two of them a day. I'm pretty sure. You can take two abs a day. Uh, or is I it believe, three? I think it. It used to be five, and now it's like I, not I think as many. Probably done about two nowadays. Yeah. I mean, you get you get two abs, you get two decent sized abs, you can feed about four people. Oh my God, from be organic right. farming to abalone uh, <laughs> coaching, coaching, coaching. coaching. What? What's this quite the show? What, 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 this is quite what, the show. He's coaching, coaching, not poaching. Coaching, <laughs> coaching, um, not poaching. It's one of those things, you know. Anybody who has kids, if you ever gonna have kids, how do you get across to kids? You don't know what you're eating. You should, and I remember as a kid, folks would show up at my parents' house and go, oh, I got some abalone, and we'd cook up the abalone. My job was to, like, pound on it with the hammer. Yeah. And I'm, like, some dumbass, 18, <laughs> you know, 8-year-old or 10-year-old. And as I got older, I started to realize, oh, this stuff actually is pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not that I, you know, want chicken tonight. No, the abalone is pretty good. All of a sudden, <laughs> once I realized this stuff's really good, that's where, you know, it just, like, disappears. Well, it was nice to get back to the primordial thing, you know. Like my buddy would get like a bushel, and we'd all sit around. You got to crack it open. You got to like rip it out of its little uh, shell. You got to pound it. You got to skillet. You got to saute it. You got to cook it. And you sit around and like you're the happiest man in the world because you like you ripped it off the bottom of the ocean and you're yeah. e- and you're eating it. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be part of like the the, uh, the appeal. I don't know, in, but in it's violent waves. I mean, <laughs> very, yeah, you deep, don't. You know, it's not active. easy. Yeah, and then when you're done, they make great ashtrays. <laughs> they make <don't. laughs> exactly. and buttons. <laughs> Because <laughs> everyone was chain smoking the whole time, anyways. I remember, I remember places, places <laughs> up around where I grew up. People's summer houses, they would have literally hundreds of yeah. abalone yeah, shells, yeah, yeah, like totally. as decorations all over the yard. Well, Astros. they have a beautiful interior. Yeah, they have you know? the the, the pearlescent smoked pearlescent 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 interior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and they're so organic. And they're organic. <laughs> they're organic. And they taste, they taste God, good. We have, uh, digressed from organic. That's what we do on the show. That's what we do on the show. Uh, okay. We have a couple of things more here. Outstanding. Um, let's see. Road to organic. Oh, so th- it starts off in 1990. The Organic Foods Production Act got written. and, and uh, The OFPA? Yeah, the OFPA. <laughs> and it's 16 pages, and it's really simple. Are you going to read that? No, not all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I want to take a break. No, no, no. And, and, and the thing is, is that so some of the stuff we've already talked about, which is uh, uh, prohibited crop production practices and materials. 
So uh, use of any fertilizers, synthetic ingredients, or any commercial blended fertilizers containing materials prohibited under this title and under uh, the applicable state organic certification program. So they've also left it off to the state to define things. Oh, good. Use use as a source of nitrogen, phosphorus, lime, potash, or any other materials that are are inconsistent with the applicable organic certification program. So no doping your your, uh, ground. Well, that's an agricultural issue, but I can't address, but... I'm glad to hear they leave it to states' rights because I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Just wait, you just I don't like centralized government that much, like coming out of the federal government. So <laughs> if they can actually allow the states to create their own laws well, in terms of what organic well, but Because Calif- Cal- California saying, tailpipe emissions yeah. were just overruled by the EPA. Were so. they? Bastards. Yeah, you know. So it's like, oh, I wonder but if they'll overrule But is that what that sentence was saying? Well, I didn't, yeah, yeah. The, idea, the idea is that um, uh, there's a – I have a – piece of paper here that talks about california's organic program okay and it's more specific than the federal program is it more stringent than other states have you noticed? it is is it okay yep. that's interesting and i read it i was like wow you guys are like on top of it the idea is that, that there's so much food grown in california strawberries artichokes uh, lettuce you know, on and on, that they want to make well, sure. California invented the bagged mixed lettuce industry. It invented <laughs> so many, whether it's garlic or artichokes or whatever. I mean, there's no more produce. You go back to East to Eden, you know, read Steinbeck yeah. and the, the first lettuce trying to be shipped across the country. I mean, it's it's a, there's nothing more in the American vernacular that, that has to do with produce than California. So anyway, the idea is that the California people – California agriculture wants to make sure that that what is organic is really organic because the people from Santa Cruz are like they're they hardcore care. they care <laughs> they care but and I, well for example we I fine, mean but California is great on that for example with our seafood I mean it's not produce so it's not organic but we look at we look to the Monterey Bay Aquarium what are their standards for right. sustainable seafood Seafood, you know, what can be grown, what is not depleted, what is not uh, incorrectly farmed as right. far as the detriment to the environment. Are, are you so California is a pioneer. No, in our kitchen, yeah. Is that, how, use, is that how you got the we information? We use our, uh, the, our, you know, my in-house standards for yeah. what seafood we sure is. Is it a best choice of the Monterey Bay Aquarium's choice for, I was for not sustainable aware of that. seafood? Yeah. You know, so they is have that a, the best choice. They, okay. they have a, you know, whatever acceptable, and then they have a to avoid. And, the uh, yeah, California is. Okay. I wasn't even aware of that. Well, good for Amy. We are pioneers. <laughs> California. California pioneers, yeah. And then there's a definition of, for crop management. Uh, for a farm to be certified under this title, producers on a farm or on such farms shall not use natural poisons <laughs> such as arsenic or lead salts that have long term effects and persistence. In the environment, as oh. determined by applicable governing state official or the secretary. That, See, sounds, most of, that sounds like a leftover from the seventies. I mean, nobody can use lead poisoning anymore. Oh, right? but do no, they? But, I mean, we just had a, the Bush administration just had to lose a lawsuit about mercury in the atmosphere because they wanted to have a, a global or a nationwide standard as opposed to a regional because 
the the mercury tends to stay locally, and and it just yeah we yeah talk. it's it's uh well, these are right. very important things. It reminds me of the time that like the old days and like Labats and like times of strange brew that the uh, brewers used to f- sanitize their tanks with uh, the formaldehyde, for example. Right. You remember that? Right. And then, and then it, and there was trace elements of formaldehyde Ugh. in uh, the cans of I'm not going to name the brew anymore but uh certain you know breweries had yeah, trace elements of uh, formaldehyde in their fi- finished product you know so i guess nothing you know nothing's nothing's impossible nothing's beyond the pale nothing's beyond sense. the pale like people yeah, use exactly. everything yeah. to yeah use and then number two use of plastic mulches unless such mulches are re- removed at the end of each growing season or harvest season I would imagine that involves plastic covering from from weeds coming up with with strawberries. Or yeah, something like that. strawberries how are crazy. also wine when they when they fumigate fields to start a new vineyard. Oh yeah, the the fumigation they use to grow strawberries is the worst, the worst, the worst. You know, I mean mm-hmm. they they give certain anyway. Wow, the worst, the worst, These, the worst, <laughs> the worst, the worst, the worst. Yeah. But all right, the worst, the worst. Look at us. We're gonna sort of form a revolution in this little room right it's here. True. It's true. <laughs> What I think people would be astonished. Let's make it happen right now. You know, we we talk about organic, but really that's just... Oh, that's right. What is the uh, concept of, like, the manifesto of architect? I'm sorry. (laughs) He just threw about... about Destile. Destile is, you know, that's that's my favorite architecture. Like, you know... Destile? Destile. And what was his position? No, that's that's the whole movement from uh, the Netherlands uh, from the, uh, the early 1900s and... You know Mondrian? No, I don't. Yellow, blue, red, square. Everybody knows Mondrian. I could draw a Mondrian painting right now. It's like a yellow square, a red square, and a blue square, and a couple of black lines on a white field. Mm. Sounds terrible, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it interesting? Is it good? What is great. it? Great. Is it great? Great. Is it? Yes. Okay. Except but what was the conception behind it? <laughs> You know, and, this, and how does this tie here? into no, no? It's how does this tie into organic? Your school is right now for the manifesto. No, the, the, the school is now art school. I'm, I'm, <laughs> the thing, right. the thing that I'm we, most we impressed about is that here is the USDA that has gone and made. They've identified toxic products. They've identified practices. They've identified procedures, and they said this is what it takes to be organic. Here's a government agency. And when I think of government in the United States, I think of a Classical bunch of architecture. I think of a bunch of <laughs> no. I think of a bunch of monkeys that don't care. Facilitating oh, that's, I think that's, what's that's, that's a bit harsh. I mean, there are, there are a lot of. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of people who work for the U.S. government. Sure, sure. Not all of them can't be. Like, Mon- as, no, but as, some of them as, might be but, apes. but the thing is, is that when you read this, when you read the you organic foods, for them? Come on. when you read the Organic Foods Production Act of yeah. 1990, okay. yeah. This is a really this is somebody somebody the 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 body of people that wrote this they really understand what the problem is. They really understand what it takes to make something organic and they are serious about this. This is not just lip service to a movement. This is the real deal. And has been has been proven by the growth of organics. They did it in a way that was economically viable as a as an industry. Yeah, they didn't just. This is not a bunch of uh, furry hippies up in Del Norte County telling the soil under redwood trees. And this is the the what the boon and the bane. What's Actually, the, the, with, it's you know, 
it's it's done this. It set this off. It's getting pesticides and all sorts of crap off of uh, the food that we eat. And without yeah. being, uh, you know, you know, overly specific, I know uh, something I've read recently. The UN actually came out with a study that organic agriculture is something that could be sustainable worldwide. Oh, I mean, it it's not a niche industry. It's not something that can only be done for, you know, 6% or like whatever. Us. And But it's a United Nations study saying that these techniques, these practices actually can feed the world. And so it's not impossible at all. It's a very uh, achievable goal. Well, one of the things that, that happened with industrial agriculture is you change uh, – you substitute capital for labor. And there are a lot of places in the world that have a lot more labor than they do capital. Absolutely. And so you can employ people for very little or themselves can work on very small plots to come up with agriculture and all of their time is spent, you know, this is oversimplifying, picking bugs off of, you know, a plant. Whereas we find it easier to plant a thousand acres and crop dust it. Right, right. There's a yeah, there's an organization issue, obviously. But yeah. go ahead. Yeah. There's an organization called the International Federation of Organic Architect Ar- Agriculture Movements, and it was formed in 1972 in France. And um, IFOM has a curriculum that's online that talks about how to make organic sustainable work. So it's like here's the here's here's everything you need to know as a farmer. It's free. The curriculum's here. It's downloadable. There's a discussion thing that you can do. It's it's there. <clears throat> and they and they're they're not making it they're making it so that the information is available and not hiding it behind some lofty uh, so where did it come from? iPhone. Out of what country? Uh, out of France. Out of France. I, well, here's the thing. I, if I could, I could put in a little one small interjection, is that my understanding would be the, why the Europeans are so more efficient is a matter of land use because you've been there for a long, long, many centuries, yeah. and you have a limited space. Therefore, you get become increasingly efficient with your space. And I think that's something that we as Americans become very luxurious with our, let's just say, our the big open wide west. And our use of the natural resources makes us a bit sloppy over time. And I think at some point it's going to shrink to a point where we'll figure it out and we will be able to, in a very economic fashion and hopefully uh, just reduce the amount of effluent that we generate through our capitalistic sort of like tendencies. And I think the Europeans have done a better job than we have. But but that's more of necessity because we don't haven't hit the necessity point yet, at least in America. You can still drive off to Nevada and it's like wide open spaces. Right. North you can't Dakota. find that in Germany. No. Germany is saturated. <laughs> I mean, it's done. You know, it's been it's been it's been basically cultivated. I mean, it's most, know, every, and, most every forest that you see yeah. is a planted forest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and my yeah. joke is there's a barcode on every tree in Germany. <laughs> there might as well be. GIS. And I think, well, I, hopefully you don't have to get to that point. I mean, like, you know, I was, if you don't remember in Canada, it's, it's all wide open. You, you, it's very difficult to find that in places like Europe, for example. I mean, there's, there is no wilderness, for example. Yeah. And I think once we Americans come, or North Americans come to that point, uh, the impetus to create energy efficiency and making sure that our water supply and all that good stuff 
It'll become more prevalent. I think we're getting to that. We become much more conscious of it. And it'll it'll get down into, let's say, for lack of a better term, the lower middle classes who eat McDonald's and whatever. And they'll kind of figure it out, and they'll see it around them, and there'll be a consciousness that needs to be aware, uh, you know, awareness, well, I should say, that basically is based on called human survival. You know, and so we'll figure it out. You know, part of what will happen is that. Hopefully, when we'll not, it out. they'll figure it out. It's it's it, the human we instinct. Have to, the human instinct survive. to survive. It'll 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 adapt accordingly, and we, right. more of that has to do with technology. In fact, you know? part of the, well, and part of what will happen is is that <clears throat> McDonald's has had a free ride. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, well, our well. agriculture policy no. that promotes corn cultivation, intensive agriculture yeah. with you know. Uh, uh, well, Petroleum-based fertilizer, right? And with 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 corn becoming a fuel crop instead of a cash crop, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, like, why it's not screwing the brewing industry? Yeah, it's screwing the brewing industry. But even worse is that it takes it takes more energy to make energy using it's, this using it's like it's, ugh. it's like it's not right. sustainable. You know, like definition of sustainable is that you get something for nothing. And this is not. There is so much. There is so much effort being used to make ethanol. I'm sorry, that, Buster, what is the definition ethanol. of sustainable? Uh, getting something for nothing. Getting something for <laughs> nothing. <laughs> is that what you just that. said? Well, is that the definition of sustainable? You can do on no, no, no. It can't, yeah. I, no, no. What, it, what it means is what I, I'm sorry. What what I mean by that something for nothing is that you put a little bit of effort into something, okay. right? And you get a you get. You get something something out. out of it. Yeah, that's that's okay. Input output. You get kind less of out of it right. than you right? put in. You get you get more out of what you put into it, right? It so if you put much if you put fifty percent into it and you got seventy percent out, that's sustainable. Or even fifty well, in and fifty like capitalism, out. Is fine, right, but but well, no, but but the idea. <laughs> yeah, well, so if you plant, I guess what in, I'm saying in terms of environmental agricultural plant, practices. Yeah. Okay. Right, but if if you're making corn. Yeah, you're growing corn, and <laughs> I'm making. I just imagine corn shooting out there. <laughs> Pay attention, <laughs> damn it, motor. This, is, this is an important. You're raising. You're growing. You're growing to the planet. If you're growing. If you're growing corn, and you have a hundred percent, it takes a hundred percent energy to make this corn, and then to get fuel out of it, you got to put a hundred and ten. You got to okay ten percent more. That's okay, not, now I'm serious. Okay, okay. now you understand what I'm talking about. Okay. It's not I efficient. And There's, it's not sustainable. And it's not sustainable because you've got to put extra power. I mean, the power has to come from somewhere. Right. It has to come from coal burning from a power plant. It has to go from oil burning from a power plant. You know, there's a there's a distillation process that's happening that you don't get for free. Well, I think there may be a birth control problem also involved in that because uh, maybe <laughs> – <laughs> if, you think, if you're talking about like generating enough energy to to basically sustain what we're talking about right now, I'm not sure if the four of us can put it together. But I mean, it may not be corn. It may not be like wind source. It may not be like tidal waves. You know, I mean, maybe we're screwed. Who knows? The power. <laughs> it's the end of the world. Eh? Power has to come from oh, somewhere. Power has to come from somewhere. It obviously doesn't can no longer come from oil. Well, it does. Power always no, it comes can't from- because oil is fossilized millions right, of years ago. So yeah. we're using this energy. And just it's it's like a credit card debt. <laughs> well, what's the next credit card debt after this one? I mean, is it? 
We're putting ourselves in a debt right now on corn ethanol production. Absolutely. And that's another sad thing. It's all subsidized, and it's kind of it's outside of the actual sphere of market influences because the government's subsidizing it, exactly. and it's affecting it's barley true. crop prices, for, which true. is affecting my ability to sell it beer at a cheap comes price. Back around to beer. Exactly. It all comes yeah. back to beer, you I'm know, and thirsty. that's the problem because like they're ripping up the barley crops to make room for corn, and uh, that will. To all of you consumers out there in beerschool.com, expect an increase uh, six months to a year from now. And I mentioned that at February 13th, 2008. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, June uh, 2008. You're screwed. You're screwed in June. Sure, this summer, you're screwed, man. Thanksgiving might be difficult well, for everyone. It was involved. like, um, it was at, I was, you know, I was at the Double IPA Festival on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, let's talk about that. I and, think about it. Oh, there was all these amazing beers. That I'm never gonna have again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll have them again. Uh, <laughs> no, never. Not well, never. Not, not, not well, not. Only, only might be Hunt ten years. Smart enough to have his own crop of uh, hops. It's a good thing we gave him an award. Mm. Who did you give, give an award, award to? Yeah, oh, you gave him an award. No, you did. Are you referring 60 to, to Russian River? Oh, Sixty right, to life. That's right. Sixty to life. Sixty to life. Yeah. Yeah. And Radeberger. And Radeberger. And it was mine. Was Kill Ugly Radio, twenty one A. Bitter American and uh, Trumer Pilsner. Trumer. Trumer. This is very different than when it's cold. Frankly. It's totally different. Totally no, it's different. bizarre. The the cherries. We gone. We have yeah the cherry. There's not much cherry in that. Not, not in when it's this warm. It, but when it's cold, there is. Mega brewery. It's weird. Doing, How does that happen? Um, and the sour. Small local beers only distributed around their breweries. Okay. And it was a. It was a. a a Bach thing. And when we first tasted one of the bottles that I had at 21A, um, Brewer Jesse goes, this is horrible. We're like, this is really weird. When we then had it here on the show after it warmed up. It, it was, was really amazing. good. <laughs> and so this gets back Strong around. beers are kind of strange little characters, you know. This well, even this cherry ale, I think, has changed significantly. It has. I, I, I haven't had it, in, like, honestly, in a week because I was gone for a week in San Diego. And I'm having it right now, and it's a totally different beer. Well, but I had it yesterday, and it was different than what we're having now. The temperature we're having. I think it's a lot of the well, temperature. Well, maybe, maybe that's a discussion. What, it smells like What does like the temperature have to do with the taste <laughs> of beer? And it, well, I'm thinking you guys are going to have to be back on some other <laughs> <laughs> Well, we could talk about. It. I mean, temperature and taste have a ton to do with each other. Oh uh, yeah, I'm. I'm in glass. In the glass. In the glass as well. Oh, no, the glass. glass. Perhaps the, the glass, glass is, is. No, but there's. Well, no I think I say one thing about the beer. I mean, it's like basically we took a long a year ago. I took a stout, and I put it into twelve uh, year old bourbon barrels that had been previously inoculated with uh, raspberries and bretomyces to create a beer that was called Ménage à Frambois a long I time ago. That and great. that was very like acidic and very over the top, mm-hmm. and which is fine. So we uh, emptied the barrels uh, to create Ménage à Frambois, and I had stout laying around, so and I had barrels laying around, so boom, in goes the stout. Didn't think about it for a while. And the bretomyces that was still in the wood has been basically collectively doing its work on this beer and like slowly fermenting it over for a year. And but when so, did you put the cherries in? Because you mean, put a cherry oh, puree. Periodically, I'd throw in a, and like a, I'll put a gallon in or something at a time, you know. Fresh cherries. You were spitting the Fresh cherries, fresh cherries. I was, I, can you, pits. I was how, spitting the pits. How did you get rid of the pits? 
I was joking. It, actually, honestly, <laughs> the, the previous batch, I sat there and I put 100 pounds of cherries, eight ounces at a time, into the wooden barrels. And I honestly, I'll never do that again because that took me hours. And if you were trying trying to put 100 pounds of cherries through a, uh, a through hole? a bug hole, no, 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 <laughs> have I, you ever done this in your life? Have I've you ever done? done have you ever lived this experience? I've done the pudding house. You got to right <laughs> really find. Uh, you marry that girl if you can put up with that one. Um, so this this time I put cherry puree in, and I was like okay let's try the pure puree and it, the funny thing about cherry puree was i expected uh a fruitiness to it but it actually was very tart and it was kind of oh. an unusual thing so i was kept on throwing these uh pure cherry puree it was i'm sure it was probably an organic producer from pacific gourmet great people and periodically when the evaporation would uh give you room on the top i just add some more cherry puree i think i'd probably put a couple of gallons in at a time over the course of a year so what i did with that is then i built i brewed a belgian golden ale and blended them all together because obviously it's in a barrel it's flat and it's very intense and i thought if i just add a little bit of a belgian characteristic to it it would create some nice effervescent and some extra fruitiness to it and it's all good it's very drinkable at this point but it's all good this is really. Is well, it's this just on, very. This is on right now. This is on oh, right it's now. It's on, but it's, it's just like the the sourness it, yeah, and the cherry weird. notes come out so much more when it's a it's a colder beer. Is it yeah. weird? I'm shocked. I thought it would be the con. I thought it would be the opposite. The opposite yeah. I thought that we would Life notice more cherry now. <laughs> Maybe not the sourness because I can understand the sourness coming on with a chill. Mm. But uh, I'm just shocked yeah, the, at how the it's... The bretomyces made it very tart, and it's. Actually, I'm sitting there drinking it now warm. Because usually warmness brings out flavors, and here yeah, I think it's, it's weird. muted flavor. It's weird, because you're saying that there's bretomyces. I'm like, mm, I don't know if there is. Oh, you got to try generation. it. Yeah. Dry, because, I mean, cool, cool. Cool. Because it's it's absolutely intense, the dryness and the sourness. It's like, yeah, it's weird, wow. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it, you know. I was almost concerned that it would be overwhelming to the consumer. Exactly. Like, that's why I cut it with a Belgian golden ale. Puckers like, your it mouth. Puckers the mouth. And but like, not now, not this And now this we're like drinking it, and I'm like knocking it back like it's an English brown. You know? Yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> well, maybe I'm, it's just like I'm, I'm just a shot beer. too much. I, I really do invite you, Motor and John, to come and try this when it's a colder beer. Yeah, well, no, we're different. Getting... It's a hundred percent. It's a strange thing. I've never it? had such a. I'm looking uh, at three individuals change. who know their beer, and I'm like, I have to look at this. I'm like, this is like a totally this is beer. Bizarre. This is totally weird. Bizarre. It's bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? Which is good. Or, hey, or God else bless, someone God bless poured us a natural product, you know. Or else someone poured us a different beer, and we don't know it. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna. Um, so your homework is this? Okay. Because the, the homework, homework is beer. What? The homework is beer. We're gonna try to like. Finish this up a little okay. bit, and then um, there it is. Anyway, uh, your homework is to find an organic beer. And I know that it's going to be tough because, like, you know, we can just go down the street and find organic beer. We can go to Santa Cruz and find organic beer. We can go to Oregon and but find organic beer. But what are there, maybe three or four in the country? No, there's not I mean, that many. There's Laurelwood and up in Portland. There's Butte Creek and Chico. Ukiah Brewing. There's Bison Brewing Company. Bison Ukiah Desert Brewing Company. Brew okay, Ukiah so we're talking Hill, half California. a dozen at least. Thirsty Bear Brewing Company in San Francisco. And then Wooliver's, okay. I believe, out of Vermont. They're national. Yeah. national. There's uh, the German one, Pincus. Pincus Mula. Yeah. But I was thinking in the States, how many organic beers are there? 25. 10. 25? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's 25. Okay, well, hey. 
25? Yeah. Is there That's, really? There really yeah. are. 25. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nationally distributed or just no, in just general? Some, just, just, I mean, we're not know, distributed. No, no, no. But it's it's all about the locals. And I, well, the, the, uh, and I looked – and basically what I did was I typed in organic brewing inside of Google and I counted them. 25? Good. Yeah. Good. The, the, awesome. The Bud Organic Beer is dead. I, Dead, not not. Oh, distributed. is it the, the Oh, there was a controversy. Was that there was a controversy uh, about one that, that stole was. our hops. It was called. Other, it was called. Uh, it, it's dead. What was uh, it called? It was called. I never saw it. Wild Hop Lager. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Wild and it was, it was. It was. It was air quotes. Air quotes. The perfect organic experience. Wow. Yeah. Who was lives, it really the perfect I don't know. Air quotes. <laughs> I bet it was well, decent. I mean, they yeah. have outstanding brewers, they, fine yeah. quality control. They yeah. control the, the crop. <laughs> I bet it was good. I, yeah. I wish I had tried yeah. it. Anyway, so this is from the from the Seattle Times, which is part of an article that says organic food rule could have up to thirty eight loopholes. Yeah, that's the problem. And you know, they're talking about. How some hops might be not organic, but still used in an organic in an organic way, which is acceptable. But the but this article goes on to say that you know you have to be careful of the word organic because it may have different uses. Well, it depending does on have different well, I, think, I think that was all laid out tonight. I think yeah. the guys are doing it right, saying yeah, there's that 100% there's organic, some stuff that we made need to with. source that we can't source yeah. organic uh, or less we lower the quality of our product because nobody's making that ingredient right. organic yet. So, because I've said on the show before, and you guys have proven me wrong, I Pardon. never really had an organic beer that really did it for me. Yeah. And when I came in the last time to, to Thirsty Bear, and I'm like looking up and I'm like drinking the beer, and I'm like, oh, I see all of your organic, your certified organic things. And I'm like, wow, you guys have proven me wrong. Thank you. It, but it well, is. It's, it's a lot to do with the malting companies, I think, a big part of it. You know, they created a good quality product that we can use, our materials improved. But it's also it's not trying for something that's too that's beyond our time. In other words, we're not going for the hundred percent right now. And you're just not. You didn't start you can't. say I'm gonna open an organic brewery. Yeah, it's you no said, I've got a brewery and I want to make it organic. <laughs> right. And right, I'm gonna right, do right, whatever right. I can to make right. my products organic. And you guys seem to have succeeded exceptionally mm-hmm. well. Yeah, Thank without you. a doubt, Ron got the whole thing started with us at Thirsty Bear because it's his beliefs. It's it's and I respect it entirely, and um, I'm glad we went this direction because it's where I think craft brewers probably should embrace and get into. It's where the future should be, you know? At least in my humble opinion. Huh. Humble. It'll, humble. It'll you and humble? <laughs> really? Humble to opinion? <laughs> Just my humble opinion? I'm hubris. Let's be kind to our planet. Let's be kind to the planet. In my Hubert opinion. <laughs> kind to the planet. Kind no, I think what he's talking anyway. about is absolutely correct. No. You know? I mean, it's, it's important. I mean, it's a small – Thirsty Bear is a little dot. Nothing. Uh, it's a puddle. and oh. uh, Drop in the no, puddle, no, if you will, yeah, so to speak. It's a, it's a but if everyone uh, hops on, it can create a ripple effect, for yeah. example. And that's the important thing is like it's not that difficult. It's better for the environment, and it helps out the organic farmers. And uh, it all winds up having a better beer that's uh, 
The water in it's better. The malt that goes into it is pesticide-free. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And you've got to convince those people that have to leave their fields fallow or not be certified for three years that their investment, the biggest investment it seems in being organic is is those three years. But, you know, when I go to farmer markets, you know, they'll say, we're not certified organic, but we're in the process or we're doing this. And people... It, but it's not quite the same. But yeah, so you're right. You you're right. It's a years, it's a sacrifice. Had, if you said it's a if sacrifice. said for three years, Thirsty Bear would be in oh purgatory. God. Forget it. We're done. We're yeah. out of business. So you're and right. So that's yeah. that's you're right. And I was going to bring this point up earlier early in the show, and I forget that that's the thing that I think is the barrier right now yeah. to getting in and to let people know that they're confident that when they get, come out of this three year period, that they'll be fine. And yeah. that that's of a you know, solid market yeah. for what they do because we are market driven. That's the way it is. Yeah, somebody's got to drink the beer. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's almost like no. I mean that that goes to exactly what I was a home brewer, and if I just loved brewing beer for my friends, that's all I should have done. But the minute you go commercial, there's a whole another set of yeah, you know, uh, criteria. And you know, well, the home brewer has. You know, you're not looking at a cost per batch. You're not looking at what your ingredients are the same way. You're like, oh, I can use this. I can go and crush 80 pounds of strawberries and make a strawberry beer. <laughs> Five oh, gallons of strawberries. <laughs> it would be beautiful. Would be beautiful. <laughs> I had a friend who made a raspberry stout with 50 pounds of raspberries. Really? Like, wow. In a five-gallon yeah, batch? Yeah, yeah, you can. You can you're, yeah. you're, you're allowed and to do that as a home brewer. Yeah. No, but you that, would never like do that as a commercial brewer. It can't, it can't be done. It can't be done. You can't do the same. It doesn't do the same thing. No doubt about it. And it's amazing that, you know, that breweries like New Glarus. Right. Right. You know, make this incredible beer, oh, but but awesome. it, you know they, also they can make Meritzen and Pilsner to like. They that's yeah. what I want to try from New yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, we have. I've had their stupid fruit beer. We oh, have no, no. It's not like wow. Did somebody did somebody beer? cut off motor yet? <laughs> um, God, actually, we have. I really want that. No, no. In the in I the, had them. They were great. In yeah. the inventory, we have Spotted Cow. Okay. So, oh, you know, where is day. where's your inventory at right now? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're shutting the show down. Have you tried spotted cow? I have not had tried a spotted cow yet, but I heard right. it was outstanding. It is. It's amazing. But anyway, we'll we'll uh, have you back when we have spotted right. cow on the show. Thank you. Let's do that. Thank yeah, you. we want to come back. So it's great. Yep, good stuff. Anyway, so um, your other part of the homework is to read the 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 crazy nineteen ninety. Um, USDA <laughs> organic beer or organicness uh, thing. It's 16 pages. It's not a big deal, but everybody should read it because you know what? I think, and like, you know what? I'm not a big fan of government, but this is the most, and this is a very intellectual document that defines the future. And there's some very bright people that have made this possible. I'm done with that, man. I mean, yeah, and and you know, it's like 1990. I mean, this is 20. This is a uh, 17 years ago or 28 years ago. Or you well, two was still edgy in 1990. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea well, is, is, is you know, kid. this is very forward thinking. That that the, the change is like a glacier, man. It, it doesn't. 
You know, it goes slowly. It, it, it grinds everything down and makes things smoothly. Yeah. Nothing happens overnight. Who was the very who was very an, few who things was outside of like the collapse of the Soviet Union happened overnight? Was this the Bush. Clinton Bush? Yeah, Bush. So this first is Bush. Yes. the first Bush. So this oh. happened in the you know, and you can say what you want about the Bush, but um, I like Bush. The, this happened under the Bush watch. <laughs> Yeah, All I remember right. that. I mean, there's more to the uh, government than just the executive department. I mean, there is obviously the uh, legislative and and then oh. um, <laughs> everything else. But like, I hate to always say like, everything's Bush, you know. But I'm just saying, there's more to it, the country than just uh, one individual and his uh, cronies. So you're part of it. Make it, it, ha- make it happen. You know, you're a citizen of the United States of America. Purchase organic products if yeah. you believe in it. So make all, it action. All this stuff is. Uh, on, Amen. on the beerschool.com website. Beerschool.com. And if I had the uh, the information right now, I'd give the, the relevant chapters out of the Omnivore's Dilemma. We didn't even talk about that. Oh, Bye. you know what? You? Hey, can we finish uh, on that? Yeah, 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 no, no, our our book, audible man. pick of the week is... No, 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 no. <laughs> our audible, it's a great book. Our audible pick of the week is not it's that. It's better as an audio book. I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> oh, no this, is, no, this is even better. If I ever see Michael Pollan speaking, I'm going to be really disappointed because they're like, you don't sound like Michael Pollan. <laughs> he lives in... <laughs> He lives in Berkeley. He lives in Berkeley. Yeah, he lives in Berkeley. We're gonna have it. We know we gotta find. Coast. We gotta get him on the show. All right. So, um, if you want to listen to him talk, um, there's a link on the show. If you've listened this far, you'll find it. It's on. Um, it's well, I'm gonna read it. It's a lib www.freelibrary.org slash podcast slash question mark podcast id equals fifty one. <laughs> what the hell is that? No, it's I'm sorry, a, repeat that? No, I'm not going to repeat it. It's, What's that for, though? If you oh, say no, it backwards it, quickly, you'll it's a, it's a t- it's a talk. <laughs> it's a talk that he did oh, in, in, Pollock. in support of his new book called uh, In Defense of Food right. and Eater's yeah, Manifesto. Brilliant. brilliant. He's, and, he's, so, he's, and so you can listen to him without having he's to badass. pay... With without having to pay Audible, in defense uh, of food's another great. So one. his book is awesome, right? So the very first sentence, the very first line is this: "I totally believe in this. Eat food, not too, too much, much. Mostly, mostly plants. plants. <laughs> <laughs> beer, and a, and a beer. 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 Followed by a pint of beer. Beer's made out of plants. One beer, yeah, not too much. Just food, one yeah. not too much." <laughs> And then, sure and then, and then he goes, that more or less is the short answer totally. to supposedly incredible, complex, uh, complicated, and confusing question <laughs> of what we humans should eat in yep. order to maximally, to be maximally healthy. I agree. I agree. Eat yeah. food, not too much, mostly plants. It's that simple. Yeah. It, you know what? It's I, brilliant. It, I love, it's, like, it's almost like the theory of evolution when Charles Darwin figured it out. You know, it's like, oh, that's how it works. You know, and you're like, you think about it, and I'm like, God, if somebody just had written that earlier, I mean, like, life would have been so much easier. Right. Well, yeah. we may be but it's the simplicity now, of it is like so yeah, brilliant. I'm going to have to say, you know what? I really like cow, and I really like lamb, and I really like it's just all too much. It's fine. Know, but no, it's just I'm, have I'm a cow all, every fine. once in a while, but I want not, not all the time. Pig. But it's I think I'll how like much? Hey, you know what? I haven't seen my parents in 20 years. You can take me. Can, can I go? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Not this kind of pig. Maybe like an little, actual pig. Okay. A little pig. A little pig. A little pig. A little pig. You have to pay for. I, I, I'm sure that's in my lease. I can have a okay. pig. 
You want to you talk to pig? Russian, I'm Hill, Russian Hill apartments usually allow you a pig, right? <laughs> God, I've been in many of them, so that's good. The you pigs can have are the pig most in Russian like dogs so, are the smartest. Why, why do you want to adopt a pig? Because of all the things I eat, that's the thing I probably feel guilty. Oh my most god! Because like, they're the, the, the smartest. Like, yeah, I want to. Yeah, and I'm going to eat. Like, them. I'm going to raise them and love them. And you're raise them and love them. Oh, then you eat Just them. Just like yeah. my last girlfriend. <laughs> you raised her, loved her, and ate her. Yeah, and I never clipped a tail. <laughs> uh. I, I ate my last girlfriend too. Uh, She's still alive. All right, so. <laughs> I think we're going off here. We, off. we, we, we need more to. More strong beer. Yeah. <laughs> more strong beer. We need to. We, we only have one last thing to say on beer school, and that is. Last dismiss. <laughs> My curl click. Is that your curl click? Last dismiss. The best part about that is we can keep talking if we want to. And I, I still have beer. I always pick the meters when I well, yeah. Can we at least cheers each other? Oh, yeah. I mean, was, I've been looking into this microphone all the time. Drink all my beer. Salud. Salud y que dure. Thanks, Thirsty Bear guys, for being here. <laughs> Thank you all. Wow, oh, this was really fun. I'm like... No, no, we're, the, we're the, we, the micros. It's still going. It's, oh, good. It's just that this is the degenerative part of the show. <laughs> oh, they did. This, oh, is this is what I'll edit. Three. This is yeah, yeah. This is where you go blah blah blah. This blah, is blah. these are the outtakes. You can yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah, the outtakes. Where's Burt Reynolds and his mustache? <laughs> well, the best part is I don't even. So I, get, I, I don't have to do any edits. Mary's rugby this Saturday. I'm rugby. Ah, uh, Cal number one against number three. Yeah. Where at? Mm. I have to admit, this, the cherry beer is, really is one of the few beers that I've I had be that there. tastes better. Cool I would have a huge way we rugby just night Friday. It's, it's a nice beer, but it's not. It doesn't taste like cherries. Yeah, it's a. Tomorrow is you the smell uh, it when it's cold. It smells me. like cherry. You taste no it. No women are allowed to ruin in their coats and ties. Tonight, you got boys from Canada, Wales. Well, that's why I was confused because when we had the. The first so beer, the like, top of like, yeah, the dot. Yeah, like, like I knew. Tell each other how great we it was were at one point in our lives, that. and then uh, talk about discuss that. injuries. It's interesting. Yeah, you know what we forgot to talk about? Well, we one of my uh, my friends who live in London. Yeah, we're going to talk about future of food. The movie. Uh, we're we're going to talk about something else here. It'll be edited, and we're going to add this. So let's. No, the future of food. The movie from nineteen nineteen ninety four or from two thousand four. The future of food. Yeah, the future of food. It's the. I don't remember that. One. Uh, I don't that one it's either. a, it's a crazy thing that the idea that these guys did was they fought, they went and uh, talked about the GMOs, the uh-huh. genetically modified foods, and they talked about uh, Monsanto. How Monsanto is basically patenting seeds. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which Make is it, like, and, and not only that, but it's seeds that'll work for one generation, but they won't work the next. Right. One. Yeah. So you grow a crop, and rather than saving part of the seeds for your next planting, as opposed to selling, it doesn't work. You and, have to well, buy more. What is the logic behind that? What? It, well, the idea is generate more revenue for the next seed. Yes. Yeah. Because your next crop will fail. It's 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 it's. 
had it's like how do you get someone to be forced to buy seeds each oh year as God. opposed to planting something that produces it's seeds. genetically modified to like conk yeah. out and yeah. yes. seeds out. Yes. yes yes and and the other thing that crazy. the other thing that's crazy is wow, that that, is that, crazy, man. that it's if what you're saying is true. And no, it is true. <laughs> no, the other the other crazy thing is <laughs> they, they modify it genetically so that not only does it conk out after one season, but it also how does it do that? It it's resist it 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 what? thrives if it statement. thrives with a chemical. So if you're for, as a pesticide, so this seed, if you use this pesticide. Will kill everything around it except for this plant. Oh, come right, on. right. It's a yeah. It's a pesticide resistant well, no, variety, and and so it, when no, pesticide Monsanto's ver- done it, it's a and pesticide resistant varietal, but it dies after two seasons. Yeah, no, no, not that cognition? it dies. It doesn't produce seeds. It doesn't produce seeds. Oh, so you have okay. To go back. Right. It's almost okay. like okay, That's rather than you know how we use like beer, this watermelon, and the and the yeast produces produces we. Well, it always goes back to watermelon. It's, it's like you. It's cursed. We tried the watermelon weed yet? It, it's weed as wine? if why I yeast. Heard only girls drink that beer. <laughs> it's as if why you said you can't do twenty generations oh of God, yeast. Totally. You have to do it every time. But that's you had to pitch. I yeah, but yeast. see how they but the gram- make sure that the survival instinct of a unicellular organism would like somehow halt itself. But the, Graham, its the Grams would rate, love it if that happened. Like, that was probably the smartest. Thing the Graham that was brothers ever would love it if that happened. Um, no one got it. <laughs> the um, there were so many big words strung together that it made total sense. Uh, anyway, the idea of the idea that See, that not Monsanto the the idea that this huge corp is in control of the future of food it, it's scary because that means that if if the wind blows the wrong way. And the seeds pollinate, or the the pollen goes to somebody else's farm. They can go, hey, uh, that's our patent. You can't make this. You can't, your yeah. property. Yeah, you're like, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. I may be this. naively and you know and optimistic about the future, but I think that's a bit. No, you have to watch the film. I mean, I understand. Like, you, you have to watch this film. Can't go with the wind as it crosses like uh, a valley. And so I understand. Well, you owe me that's money why, for that yield. You know, that's that's why great. you have to watch this crazy film called The Future of Food. The Future of Food. Yeah. Doc, is it a dot com? Yeah. Or is future, it an future of Food dot com. Okay. The movie is uh, four years old at this moment, and um, there it is. The other. F- do you really believe that? I mean, do you really think that you can? See, can you conceive of that? I mean. Because I personally can't. Like, my uncle runs a ranch in Germany somewhere. And, yeah. like, somehow, like, him suing the dude at the road for, like... No, no, uh, but this is him suing the dude... pollen. Up, no, no, know, him suing the dude up the road. pollen, and it seems a bit excessive. But him suing the dude up the road for pollen is not going to happen because he doesn't give a... He doesn't care one way or the other. What happens is the corporation called Monsanto goes and says, "Hey, you, you planted our my product." Yeah, but you. I think, I think this is on this is on a crop that does not pollinate. It's something that you put in the ground. Oh, right, and, and that's how Monsanto out. makes its money. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, but it does not, get cross pollinated. So, so the, it's more complex than I can talk it about. Is. To be quite honest, yeah, book. we, we well, should read a part book. of it. Part of it is invite a rancher next time. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do no 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 mistakes. Bunch of city folks sitting around. Yeah, exactly. No, but can you I, bring us some nice I, marbled I, meat and some asparagus, and we'll sit around and discuss your clams. pollen, your it pollen, is, it is distribu- your pollen distribution on the wind. 
Alright, Motor and I are like going on a little tangent. <laughs> turn, off yeah. the turn off the mic. Just turn off the mic, so because like I know Foster is like very up, very up. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm just great job looking serious. I'm just sheets of paper. I'm just does look very serious, very diplomatic, very statesmanlike. I'm just saying that 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 Roundup, the product called Roundup, yeah. You know, it does wonders. It really kills the crap out of all the food. Okay. I mean, all the the weeds. But don't use this. Don't put this on your lawn. Don't. I used to like the the amusement park ride called the Roundup. <laughs> there was those little cars that like spun around in circles. Yeah. Stick anyway. with that. But the idea is, like you know, the the more that this stuff, the more that you spray this on your on your lawn, the more that you're going to give into this idea of the corp, you know, who who says this is the way that food and seeds and 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 plants and the and the and the future should be, you know, it. it uh, part of it is this: if you want to know why this is really a bad idea, watch the movie called. Uh, Damn it, now I can't remember the name of the movie. The Wall. <laughs> no. Oh. Clock of Gorn. No, the one with the one with a movie from Umbrella Corp, uh, which is uh, uh Umbrella Corp. Yeah, Umbrella Corp. Why you're thinking about why you're thinking about the well, name of that movie? What the hell's Umbrella Corp? It's the evil corporation that made this this <laughs> Umbrella Corp? Yeah, it's a um, Okay. They make very small umbrellas, and they jam them down your throat, and then they open them. <laughs> anyway. And they give you plenty of information while they expect Damn it. Why can't I remember I just got the new Blade Runner for anyone who came in. Like, it was a good movie. Hey, they're playing. Uh, I don't know which one it was, but I just had it. It's yeah. like the third. It yeah. has like the Ridley Scott 1982, uh, the, uh, the one in the middle that's ridiculous, and then I just got the uh, 2007 or 2008 I went to go finality see- of it all. And that has a lot to do with like talking about like what the playing, future of it is. And I went that, to go see know? that at the Embarcadero Cinemas. It was that. Oh man! I got it for Christmas. They're playing it the entire time like this for the kids at home. Motor is staring and drooling. Yeah, is it Blade yeah. Runner good? But like, it, it has a definition been, of like how you look at the future, for example. Well, that movie is, and look how it was twenty twelve in the movie. I think it was twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. And they had this, and people in the eighties thought we were screwed beyond belief, man. <laughs> you know, and you look at the, like the architecture, and you look yeah. at the pollution, and you look at the uh, linguistics and everything. Everything was chaos. It all makes sense. And, and frankly, the eighties—I still remember the eighties—and I don't think we're that. I still, I still don't think we're that far away from it. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're still like sitting around drinking beer, discussing. I don't know. I don't know. Not to like one of the best. They're pro- they're, things, no, no but, next week they're projecting it at the Castro. Really? Yeah, from the oh, I from think the to be a beer school event. Uh, from the fifth, yeah, no beer school can pay for they that. Good sound of the Castro. I've never been to the well, Castro. Uh, they have the organ player. That's always fun. No, I don't want to know about the organ player. Do they have like five one really loud rumbly sound? <laughs> I want really loud rumbly sound. Yeah, yeah. in Barcadero Cinemas, it's like do they have good popcorn. They do. It's they real have good popcorn. In it's the reals. Cinemas. Have you ever been to the San Rafael Center? No, I have. Oh, the San Rafael is awesome. That is good. I I'm went going. To, uh, I'm going to uh, the Ray Harryhausen. Harry Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen. The old. Um, the old animator. Sinbad Seven. Uh, Sinbad. Yeah. Sinbad. Yeah. No. See, he's doing a thing. He's doing a thing next week uh, on the 22nd uh, at the San Rafael. Uh, the Harry Harryhausen. Yeah. Harry, Harry Harryhausen. Ray Harry. He, the guy's he like died, 80 years old. He died 10 years ago, I think. No, he's five still, years. He's well, he's still alive. But yeah, no, he's still alive. Is he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's still alive. They have his corpse wow. and they do stop motion animation. <laughs> 
If I can say, should, if I can say one thing about the center of field before it, when we this all drops into chaos, is I, my wife and I went and saw uh, Nosferatu at the Centerfield Theater on Halloween, and they mm. had a organ player. James like Whale? Uh, no. What's that? Who, who directed? Which one? Uh, the original, Whale? 1930, Nosferatu. And we're sitting there, and they had this woman playing like uh, an organ, and a couple of guys like playing cymbals and percussion. Amazing. I think they're I actually exactly playing the soundtrack live because yeah. it was a silent film, and it was and it was the most it was the greatest Halloween I ever had in my life. Wow! Just cool. so you know, so go to Satterfell, support Satterfell, support Castro Theater, support your local theater. Yeah, I, I put that plug gone. in there real no, quick. They're gone. Go to yeah, they're going. It's um, bad the news, Pal- uh, Palo Alto. Sure. The uh, the Stanford. Um, it's a it's a three hundred and sixty five day a year film festival. There's you know they're wow. they're bringing stuff right. out of the archive, you know stuff from the forties, fifties, thirties. Cool. It's always fun. Always it's a fun, drag right? because there was just an article in the newspaper. You know there the was DVDs video kill <coughs> repertoire theaters. And it's a shame. It, it is a really, it, the community's lost. You know. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's so beautiful to go to a, a, an event. The architecture you know, with a bunch of people. Oh, the architecture. No, I totally agree with you, Ron. It's a shame to see it. Like, no one should stay home and watch a movie at some point. You know, sometimes, as somebody said, for going out and enjoying theater with a group of people and participating with more than your friends on a comedy or a drama and have a collective idea of what you're watching. Yeah, a you know? screen bigger than what your plasma screen yeah, in your living room totally. can be. You know, it's nice. Anyways, we diverged yeah. again. Again. Where were we? Well, no, this is the after show, so we don't. This is oh, really? oh, we're we can, after we can, show? Yeah, no, we're, we can diverge as many times oh, okay. as we want. Okay, so what sort of computer do you have, Matt? I have, <laughs> a, I have a Dell. Will this be broadcast? Okay, we don't want to talk to you. 1400 what computer do you have? I have, I, at home I have a Mac and I have okay, an okay. iPhone, but at work, of course, I use a PC. Not of course, of but course? I do use a PC. Oh, my God. Well, because well, uh, you know, ProMash Pro doesn't run. On a Mac. You have to run it in oh, Windows. Never, you know, when I first... <laughs> I don't know, Brendan, do you use them anymore? I created all these, you know, to go, I want this many bittering units, this much original gravity. I created um, Excel spreadsheets, you know, from going to Bruce School. And I, we probably... I, apparently, it's not used anymore. It's all old school. Not No, not, my friend. Uh, no, I understand where you're coming from. The Excel spreadsheets make sense. I've seen them. I understand them. I actually operate... Excuse me. On a intuitive level, on the brewing yeah, side, yeah, ultimately so, that's what happens. Because right. I'm like, we're, because we're I'm looking, enough. I'm like, you had because the reason you op- you open up a brewery, anytime you open a brewery, not only do you have to do the, the uh, financials, but if you look at like what do you want to produce on the first time, yeah. you have to break it down on a gravity, uh, like original gravity, finishing gravity, attenuations, alpha acids, blah, blah, blah. and you basically put what's known as a recipe together. Yeah. Um, Obviously, and I use what's basically done as a recipe, which I yeah. at, uh, and you can like, and, and I say, well, what is it? I mean, you want you want to make an IPA, then this has to be within a certain frame of mind, which is kind of dictated by you, use an original you know the uh, the association everything. of brewers, blah 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 blah. However, over time, like when I have to adapt to it, I I I, I honestly at this point adapt to it uh, more on an intrinsic. 
Well, you know our level. system. Yeah, I know the system is exactly. You no, know, it's not like I don't oh, I have to I don't, calculate. I don't this. worry about like, it. Like, if I'm oh. off two BUs or something like that, no. is this really going to affect us? Anyway? Well, plus are we you, don't, you don't even know. You know, it's not like we. I don't know exactly. It's not like we have to be as consistent as possible. We just have to. But when you start off, when you open up a brewery, you need to basically get the things in so you can basically do your product costs and you make it interesting. You hit the hit the style guidelines, or if even if you don't want to go in style guidelines, that's fine also. But you get in there, put the numbers together. Once you understand your extraction, once you understand your boiling, once you understand what's going on, it takes about two years to really get a, a feel for a brewery, to really know what you're doing. Um, at that point, I really don't. Oh, do, quite frankly, I don't really if you're not do that mass much. producing it. We're it's not, not produ- necessary. Exactly. It's not really necessary. it's completely relevant. It's a handcrafted product. I don't care if I miss. Variation. I don't is care good. if I miss. If I'm off five IBUs or. Whatever the case may be, or, I don't care if I expected a thirteen point five Play-Doh and I went up thirteen point two. You know, you're like, it uh, doesn't really matter. You know, right. you, you wing it and you and you look at it, and especially when it comes to seasonality things, you're like, well, I was gonna get, I was gonna make a balk. I don't know, I'm gonna get seventeen, eighteen degrees. You look at it, and then, but it. 